I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I always hold on to my glass in social situations because it makes me feel comfortable and secure, and I don't have to shake hands. I'm Av Sedensky, and Alex, I love it when me and you just get to do this podcast, just the two of us. Having said that, it's a lot more fun when we have a guest. Wow, because I'm Jeff Schaefer, the exec producer, writer, director of Curb, uh, and I can't believe I'm doing this. Having said that, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 7, Episode 10, the Season 7 finale called Seinfeld, which originally aired on November 22nd, 2009. And we are very excited for today's guest. You've already heard Jeff Schaefer. Um, Jeff was um, an exec- is the executive producer slash showrunner on Curb. He was uh, involved in Seinfeld as a writer and director in many other roles. He uh, created The League with his wife. He uh, So th- th- that right there is three of my like 10 favorite shows of all time. He uh, co-created Dave, which was my number one show of 2020. So very, very excited to have uh, Jeff on today. Uh, but we're going to jump right into Curb. And I guess my first question is, Jeff, so as I said, like on IMDb, you're listed as executive producer slash showrunner. And I guess I'm curious, like what your role is on the show vis-a-vis Larry, for example. Um, well, the last few years, it's pretty simple. Larry and I write the show together. I direct almost all the episodes and I'm there all the time, like making sure the show gets made. And then Larry and I edit the show together. So um, basically, we just make the show. Um, and it used to be, I used to be joined with my two partners, Alec Berg and Dave Mandel, um, and starting basically season five of Curb, we came in and helped him write, but then we had to go off and do other things. So we weren't there for production season six. We started to be there all the time, like, you know, directing and, you know, being there all, all the time on set, helping him edit, helping him write them. Uh, same with seven, same with eight. And then there was the six year interregnum. Um, that's basically when I did the league. And when we came back, I was like, I'm finished with the show. I'll do it. And Alex, like I'm doing Barry and Silicon Valley. I'm busy. And Dave's like, I'm in the middle of Veep. I'm busy. So, uh, Larry and I just did it on our own. So that's like, that's like a hell of a little, uh, coaches tree that we have going on here. It's (laughs) like basically like every, not every, you know, a, a huge percentage of like the significant comedies of the last 10 years have like flowed out of this like Seinfeld curb, like little universe here. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Well, I mean, Alec and Dave and I worked together since college basically. And right. um, we always said we were three people who worked together and each one of us was absolutely sure we didn't need the other two. <laughs> right. Um, but we did it cause we liked it. It was fun. It's, I mean, they're awesome. They're amazing. It was so fun to work together. Um, and I think, HBO sort of realized, wait, why are we putting all of them in one spot? Because, you know, Dave and Alec are amazing showrunners. So, right. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so here's my we... question for you, Jeff. So Larry yeah. and Jerry uh, co-create this show called Seinfeld. Uh, Jerry uh, is an actor on the show, is the face of it, and Larry's behind the scenes. And then after that show goes off the air, Larry goes and creates a show about him, a, a fictionalized version of himself. And then you're his partner. So does that mean that after Curb goes off the air, we'll have a Schaefer show with you and someone else? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> having no, said no, that, no, 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 no. Uh, I am not a stand up. I am 
the person pushing the other person out of the chair to stand up. Um, I, I have no desire. But isn't that what Larry said in the 90s? <laughs> Larry, Larry was actually a comedian. Yes, as, yes. as Larry used to say, he was the yeah. comedian all the other comedians, you know, loved because they never had to fear his success. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but uh, the interesting thing about what you're bringing up is that being on Seinfeld, there were certain things that used to like bug Larry about Jerry's performance sometimes. How Jerry would, you could start to see the smile around the cracks, like when something funny was coming in. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's, you don't anticipate it or whatever. And then Larry does the exact same thing now. And yeah. you know what? It works just as well. Yeah. But, yeah I mean, Larry's a phenomenal actor, though. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. great. Yeah, he's really great. So, I mean, given, you know, given how, you know, involved you are, can you just kind of like maybe walk us through, like, what was your first reaction when you heard? So I think we were going to do like this Seinfeld reunion storyline this season. Like, was that like something that like kind of Larry presented to the rest of the group? Or like, was that kind of, you know, thought of together? Like, that's like, you know, it's a pretty radical idea to try to do this. And I'm kind of just like wondering what was like the origin? So the origin was, um, you know, in the group, which was Alec and Dave and I and Larry, uh, we we're talking about what to do for a season and every season. Um, well, first of all, every season's the last season, right? right There'll right. never be another episode of curb after the 10th of that year. It's done forever. <laughs> Put it in a coffin, bear it in the dirt, blow up the dirt. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, we get a call from Larry and he'll go like, Hey, I'm not doing another season. I mean, if I did, I only have one idea. <laughs> like, well, you want to talk about it? No, it's a waste of your time. Then we talk about it. And then we have an office right next to Larry's. And we, we like, you want us to just move back to that office? And no, it's a waste of your time. We're like, we got other stuff to do. We'll just be in that office. It's right next to yours. If you want to talk, we'll talk. So we sort of <laughs> slide in there. And then, you know, a few months later, there's like eight episodes of a, of a, ser- a season. And we're like, right. hey, should we call HBO and tell them we're doing another season? Because we got to crew up. Um, and this one was no different. I mean, it always starts with the arc. So right. we were trying to figure out a way to, we wanted to have Cheryl involved and like, will Larry get back together with Cheryl after um, the blacks and all this stuff. So we started, that's how it originally started. And um, obviously in the air, I mean, everyone in the planet had always been asking Larry and Jerry to do a Seinfeld reunion and something. So it just sort of, it sort of evolved that way as an arc of like, oh, I see. We can, he'll do a Seinfeld reunion for the most selfish reason ever, just to get his ex back. <laughs> right. Um, and all of it hinging on that. And that's why one of the things I love about this is they were never going to do a straight up Seinfeld reunion, nor should right. they. Like, it's right. so hokey. And Yeah, well, they'd be so lame. Yeah. By the way, proving the point about all these reunions that are coming around, which just seem like nostalgia slash money grabs. Yeah, I don't even know what money grabs. <laughs> but but hey, this money's good. Like, Listen, I'm watching. I'm watching them, so I'm part of the. (laughs) They're getting part of the problem. (laughs) You're putting the money in the grab hand. So, um, but like, this was the best way to do a reunion because the reunion wasn't the primary function. Right. Right. It was there was a story and that made the reunion happen, and because of the and the reunion got complicated because of the story. It's like there's a line in this season of Curb where someone asked Larry to go for a walk, and he's like. Walking can't be the primary function. Like <laughs> right. I can, I can golf and I'll walk while I'm golfing because right. walking is the secondary function. And that's what this was. The reunion was the secondary function and that made it so much cooler. Right. I think that's from like, yeah, that's from uh, Denise Handicapped where he talks about like, 
I, I just like to, the only time I ever walk is to get from sitting in one place to going to sit in another place. Yeah. Right. Which exactly. is how I feel too. Yeah. Um, so we had, a, we had actually a little bit of a, a mystery that we tried to solve this season. Um, I think this oh. was in the bare midriff. Um, there's like a whiteboard in the background where Jerry and Larry are working with like a list of like ideas for the show. And like, we have a bunch of stuff that we all recognize from Curb, you know, the, the doll and um, the carpool lane and that sort of stuff. But there was one set of words that we had no idea what it was. And those words were refurbished skeleton. And I did a little internet sleuthing because we're like, I don't know what this is. Like, we're like, we're like racking our brains. Is this something from Seinfeld? Is this something from Curb that we're not thinking of? Because like everything else was like something that we had seen happen to Larry. And I even found someone on Twitter with the name Refurbished Skeleton and I DM them and I'm like, hey, does it have anything to do with Curb? They're like, yes. I'm like, do you know what it means? They said no. They just like the reference. You want to know? But yeah, I'm pretty sure from a a little bit more internet sleuthing I did that you have an answer for us. Yes. So, um, you know, Alec, Alec Berg and I were writing partners on Seinfeld and, and you had, you'd pitch ideas to Larry and Jerry. And in our office, we have what we call the big board of bad ideas. And on the, one of our ideas was that Kramer was buying skeletons um, from like more and was refurbishing them up to museum quality. Like you'd refurbish an old car. So he was taking yeah. these sort of old dingy skeletons and making them all nice and new and selling them to museums. That was his plan. That was his idea. Um, it's like that bodies this, exhibit. <laughs> this, was right, exactly. in, this was in the show with um, Leap and Larry. Right. Um, which was the, uh, um, is the one where Kramer, was that the one where Kramer ended up being on the fire dip in the, fire yeah. anyway, it was. Kramer's got the caboose. Gonna, yeah. What, what was going to happen was that Kramer was washing his leg bone, the femurs, <laughs> in Jerry's new washing machine that he had gotten Leap and Larry's who had lost a leg. So when Jerry, the thing wasn't working and he returned it to this guy, Leap and Larry, it was going to return with a, a, like a leg bone in it, which seemed like the most insulting thing you could do to somebody. Anyway, Larry was like, it was in our original script. He goes, no, no, I'm, we're not doing that. And we're like, all right, well, we still think this is a good idea. And the odd thing is, you know, Larry wasn't there for the last two years of Seinfeld. Right. So it was Alec and I and, and Jerry and, you know, and Dave like just running this show. And we're like, oh, now we're going to do Refurbish the Skeleton. We're going to do it because Larry's not here. And then we looked at it. We're just like, ah, he was right. We're not doing <laughs> so uh, when I put that, when I put that, I was right. I wrote the stuff up for the board. I think someone else's handwriting, thank God, was better. But like I had to do that board. We're about to shoot. And so I threw that in there because like, oh, what else can we put in there that no one will know what it is? <laughs> right, yeah. right. Right. That's, That's awesome. amazing. Um, yeah. Um, one other, uh, one other note before we jump in, um, I saw that you were either the sole writer or one of the writers on the chicken roaster, um, which is one of my favorite episodes of Seinfeld so much so that when one of my best friends got married, this is going on 10 years ago or so, um, in, in, uh, in lieu of doing a traditional bachelor party for him, we, you know, kind of just got together in somebody's house and the rest of us staged the episode, the chicken roaster for him. Um, so if, if you ever want to see a, uh, a much worse version of the chicken roaster, um, I'd be happy to. Alec and I, Alec and I wrote that episode, that episode, the interesting thing about that episode is that like a lot of Seinfeld, it took like, it was like three years in the making because my brother used to live in New York, right across from the empire hotel, which before it was fancy, it was just a dumb hotel with a big red empire hotel logo. And so his apartment was just bathed in red light. And I was like, oh, this is a really interesting idea, but I didn't know what to do with it. Two <laughs> years later, we're, the sign, Jerry took the Seinfeld writers to New York just to, before we started, just, you know, walk around the city and everything again. And 
there was a law firm that was above a Kenny Rogers chicken roasters. And I guess the chicken like miasma was getting vented into it. So they started writing like bad food and then it all came together. I'm like, oh, this is all, but like it, it's that these ideas just sit with you until you can find the, the one that links up best with it. Yeah, that's right. not going to be good for a law firm business. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's not going to be good for anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that the whole thing with uh, Jerry, I guess Jerry and Michael just playing each other is just like one of my favorite things from all of Seinfeld. And it's like, it's kind of, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see a little bit of one Seinfeld world person trying to uh, inhabit the role of a different Seinfeld person in this episode. Sure. Uh, but yeah, that's like kind of one of the one of the few moments in Seinfeld where it becomes like really meta. Um, you know, Curb would kind of take that to a new level, you know, season four, and of course, season seven. But those are the things you can do. Those are things you can do later in, in shows, right? Right. That show yeah. could not exist in seasons one through four, nor should it have. Like, you have to, at a certain point, you can start playing with your own world because people have been in that world enough. Yeah. yeah. No one's no one's pitching refurbished skeleton uh, storylines for Kramer in season three. Yeah. <laughs> no. But that, that's a good point. I mean, even like Dave, you know, to mention this most recent show, like the, the first two episodes of this new season it really it, it i think it, it it becomes a much deeper and, and darker in a sense show than you know it, it starts as sort of a very lighthearted comedy and yeah once you've built up this audience and we know the world then we can really start going and obviously in season one we, there was you know t- issues of mental illness and stuff also but like it really as you said like once you once we know who these characters are and we have a world we can really delve deeper into it which right. is I mean, uh, you couldn't have done you couldn't have done bizarro jerry that mandel yeah, did or right yeah. the backwards <laughs> episode like those were things it's like let's start playing with the format yeah. I mean, all of season nine of Seinfeld is really just it's a celebration of eight years of, of how well we know these people. And, you know, like there's the scene in the Puerto Rican Day Parade, of course, where they're all in the open house and they all have these fake characters that not only they know, but we all know because, you know, we we've seen them pretend to be other people so many times. That was the last scene I ever wrote for Seinfeld. I wrote wow. that when they all showed up there and the Mombasa and all that stuff. Like, mm, yes, that was like I remember sitting in my kitchen, like finishing writing. Like, oh, this is the last thing I'm going to write. For Seinfeld, the Sob Factory. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say if Alex is here and Jeff is here, who's watching the Sob Factory? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why don't we why don't we jump right into this episode? Uh, we have you know we have limited time with Jeff, and we want to yeah. take advantage and talk about yeah, so, uh, Seinfeld. Yeah, okay. let's let's do that. And um, just a quick housekeeping note again, um, like we did last week, um, when we get to the actual reunion episode scenes we're going to kind of yada yada over those um even though we might be yada yadaing over the best parts um because we're going to do a separate episode on the seinfeld rune union episode itself so we'll you know we, we yeah. don't want to double our work there so uh with that said having said that um let's jump into the episode and we'll uh we'll go to the tape a couple times just to uh you know some of the more uh, elite scenes some of the uh scenes that we really want to talk about a little bit more so uh let's do it shooting the reunion and we're sitting with george and amanda played by cheryl now um, about the madoff situation and we have a cut and larry comes over and lets them know you know great job cheryl's you know feeling a little insecure um but he's like you know don't worry everybody likes you jason likes you jerry likes you julia likes you jerry likes you most of all i like you um and cheryl's like you know this is so cool like you're the man and like we're doing seinfeld and you've made it happen and i'm in it and uh you know things are starting to turn in larry's favor um you know the whole plan obviously is to get cheryl back on his good side and that seems to be 
heading towards fruition. Um, so Jeff, I have, a, I have a question for Jeff here. So we, t- we talked yeah. about this last week and we've talked about it other times, I think, where in Seinfeld, there was, uh, you know, reportedly, allegedly, um, Jason and maybe some of the other cast members didn't love working with Heidi uh, Swedberg so much. And that sort of is might have been part of the reason why Susan uh, got off the way she did in Seinfeld. And I was sort of speculating last week and maybe, you know, this first scene this week as, as Cheryl is, is nervously asking, does Jason like me? If there's sort of a if there's a reference there being made about like, you know, does the cast like this new uh, significant other of Jason's, the, the actor playing the role? Um, is there anything to that or am I just reading into this too much? Mm, well, I think first thing is that's high. high I mean, the part of Susan was killed because it was the funniest thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that, believe me, nothing, there is nothing that outweighs like comedy. Right. For Larry, there's no, there aren't ul- ulterior motives, which was the great thing about working on the show. It was like, and from Larry and Jerry, it was just, what's the funniest thing? There was no like, like Jerry was happy to have other people, unlike say Roseanne or any of those. Yeah. Like, Oh, you have a great line. Great. Like the show is called Seinfeld. If every right. I win when other people win. Yeah. So right. although having, having said that, uh, wasn't the cast so terrified of Lawrence Turney? Cause like he stole a knife or something. And so that's why Elaine's dad never comes back. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was before my time, but yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, this was like, I mean, the big thing we wanted to do here was just, Hey, things are working out for Larry, which, you know, everyone's everyone's spidey sense should be tingling at yeah, this yeah, point yeah of course um and you know from a directorial thing we wanted to and you'll see we wanted to always be showing off the set and show what it was really like and you know i would say um the one thing for us it was a it wasn't just a reunion for the seinfeld cast it was also like a reunion for the crew like you saw on the table read like all those right. people are people that worked on seinfeld and right um, in fact, we're shooting a scene, I guess we'll get to it, but I'll say it now. Like we're shooting a scene where TV Larry's watching a rehearsal of Seinfeld. And so there's the fake Seinfeld cameras. Then there's our curb cameras and the actors in Jerry's apartment and multicam cameras are filming them. And, and the Seinfeld scene ends and TV Larry goes to give Jerry and the cast notes. And my muscle memory kicks in because now I'm back at Seinfeld. I'm not the director of this curb. I'm right. at Seinfeld. When Larry came in to give notes, we would come in to give notes. So I just start walking up. Getting and the Alec shot. literally grabs me by the belt. Like, don't ruin the shot. And yanks yeah. me back. So I was like, oh, wait, we're, I'm like 27 again. And I'm working 26 when Larry's there. And I'm like, right. I'm giving notes on the Seinfeld scene. Yeah, it's like, no, amazing. we're actually shooting something else. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the set for a second. Um, so there's some upgrades in, Larry, in Jerry's apartment. He's got a new fridge uh, very prominently, for example. But I'm sure you saw a few months ago, the internet was uh, uh, all a Twitter about the fact the uh, geographical impossibility, the architectural impossibility of the hallway of their apartment because of the angle of, of, of Jerry's kitchen. Uh, are, are, do, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. But it, it didn't make it like I, I was in that space. It existed. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but not on the other <laughs> side. Like the hallway, it's a straight hallway. But it would it, have it to bent. be. It crooked. Well, it would have to be from how we see the how we. Yeah, see so it was. Yeah. It was like a. It was like a broken thing. Like this. so, like here's yeah. Jerry's and here's Kramer's, and yeah. then it just went over here. And this little area here, interesting yeah. about this area, it's where the four of them would get together before the show, and like have a little huddle. Mm-hmm. And like, which was, so it was a very, it was this narrow little space. It was super cool. Well, I but, know it existed in real life, but that's because the set of the hallway wasn't actually the back, the like the back. Of, yeah. 
Anyways, right. yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds like some of these people on Twitter went to the same uh, architecture program as Art Vandalay. Maybe they don't know yeah. what they're talking about. We it's, heard it from exactly. the source. To quote it Kramer, exists. it's architecturally incorrect. Like yeah, pants, pants not required at Vandalay Industries. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So Larry and Cheryl, you know, continue walking around the lot and Cheryl wants to know how Mike was doing. Turns out uh, the test, the test results came back and he definitely does not have groats. Oh, and Cheryl uh, wants to know, you know, hey, Larry, what are you doing later? Why don't you come over after the book party? You know, maybe we can hang out a little bit, work on the show. And Larry obviously right away is in because, you know, this is the whole point. Um, and they happen to walk by Jason's car and he's like, what's the deal with Jason's car? Why are his, uh, windows all, you know, dark? And Cheryl's like, well, you know, you know, these, how these Hollywood celebrity types, um, Jeff, I'm sure you know how these Hollywood, Hollywood celebrity types are, you know, they, you know, they don't want, they like their privacy. And Larry, uh, remarks like, what does this guy think he is? George Clooney. And, you know, she's like, maybe it also could help with the sun. You know, he always has his dogs with him and like, obviously, you know, you don't want them to get overheated in the sun. And Larry's starting to get a little suspicious because, you know, Cheryl seems to know an awful lot about Jason and his daily routine and his car. And, you know, she's like, listen, like we uh, we spend a lot of time together. We're working together on a show. You know, we talk between takes and, you know, we just we spend a lot of time talking about nothing. Mm. That's uh, Larry's Um, move. Yeah. So uh, up walks up walks Mocha Joe, who, Mm. uh, of course, played by Severio Guerra. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, Now, I want to talk about this for a second. So um, in January of 2020, when I went to the debut screening from season 10 at the 92nd Street Y, J.B. Smooth was in the audience and Larry gave him a shout out by name. And Susie Essman was in the audience and uh, Larry gave him a shout out by name. And then Severio Guerra was there and Larry just referred to him as Mocha Joe. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. What's this guy's name? And so I, I was sitting in my seat and I quickly looked on my phone and um, the actor, uh, Severo Guerra, he did not have a Wikipedia page. Um, he did not have, and he had like like fewer followers, on far fewer followers on Twitter than I had. He wasn't verified or anything like that. Now, to be fair, this is, at this point, he'd only been on this one season nine, season seven episode of Curb 11 years earlier. And, you know, we had just seen the debut episode of season 10, but, you know, the rest of the world didn't know that he was going to be like a major star character throughout the season. So I am happy to, to report. I checked last night. Uh, he now has a Wikipedia page. He's verified on Twitter. He has more followers than I do. So uh, I, I hope you've reached out to uh, Severo Guerra as a pretty, pretty, pretty good uh, guest for uh, season 10. We'll be reaching out. We, he's, uh, he's a great guy. Yeah. He is so funny. He was, look, we loved him so much that we literally did a season season. arc with him yeah Yeah. oh and it's great like one of you know i i was thinking about like this episode in particular when you want the night that it aired i think we we were on such a high because it's like holy shit we just saw like kind of another episode of seinfeld for the first time in 11 years and now you know 12 years later that's not as exciting because now it's just oh it's it's a seinfeld you know it's it's a you know we can see old seinfeld episodes all the time online but the but on the other on the other hand, I think the part of this episode that becomes more enjoyable watching it now versus 2009 is in 2009, Mocha Joe's just some random guy. Whereas now we have season 10 in our heads. So we're like, oh, yeah, here's Mocha Joe, you know, already getting into conflict with Larry over bullshit. And like, you know, it is great that he uh, he shows up here and then he disappears for a decade and then he comes back as a it's almost like the wire. You guys are like just dropping hints and then bringing them in seasons later on your big storyboard. <laughs> yep. Right. It was, yeah, I mean, right. he's the perfect foil. He's the perfect foil for Larry. Yeah, it's all about the beans, as Ob's uh, shirt says. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
um yeah so for now for now they seem to be friends um larry asks him for a favor you know hey i have these jumper cables that i borrowed from tim kaiser can you return it to them to the production office where mocha joe happens to be going anyway um and cheryl compliments uh mocha joe and his coffee particularly the vanilla decaf latte um or as like or as i like to call it Chekhov's vanilla decaf latte mm, yes um and yeah so tim kaiser um as i'm sure jeff knows was a producer on i think pretty much every episode of seinfeld he yeah. also appeared in one episode of seinfeld Anyone know which one? Where do we put him in? It was very yeah. early on, I think. Oh, not not that early on. Um, he was in the engagement. Um, he wow. played, I guess, just kind of a, this, I guess, a random. He called. He played husband on pier. So I guess, like you know, when George is doing his thinking on the pier before he goes to propose, I guess there was a. I don't know. Maybe was he put in by accident? Like, and you just then you have to credit him. <laughs> it's like, hey, somebody throw throw yourself in. We yeah. do that all the time. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, so as I said, this is a very minor favor that um, now what Mr. Mocha Joe What does Tim need the jumper cables for? Well, no, uh, Larry needed the jumper cables. Larry, I think he Larry had borrowed, had borrowed them from Tim. Uh, oh, jumper yeah, cables. Okay, yeah. Hey, you're going there anyway. Yeah. Just return them to the office. And by the way, as you know, all of this is shot, you know, stage nine of the Radford lot. The office that Larry and Jerry are in that we'll talk about is right where their, that's where their offices were. That's what that looked like. That was building five. That was their office. Yeah, we saw last week that the security on this lot is very poor because Marty yeah. Funkhauser is allowed to walk in whenever he pleases. But yeah. um, yes, so um, we uh, we head over to the uh, aforementioned book party and Larry, you know, is talking with Jeff, gushing about how great things are. And Jeff's like, you got to make a move tonight. Um, of course, Jeff, you know, first, you know, it's all about making that move. No, but Jeff, uh, Jeff is right here. She's inviting him to like to her house for a private after party. You got to make a move here. Yeah, well, you know, Larry feels insecure about it. You know, he says, you know, you know, when yeah. he, uh, whenever he tries to make a move, it's like a poker tell. You see him a mile away. He's thinking about it. Then his roots yeah. his conversation. And he's like, I, you know, I'm just happy to be spending time with her, to be close with her. I don't even care about the move. Which, you know what? Good on Larry. Um, and Jeff, you know, Jeff is just like, this is amazing. I can't believe this actually worked out. Like this whole like crazy plan that you came up with. Um, it's actually yeah. happening. Yeah, famous last Um and we uh, we see a shot of the cover of Jason's new book uh, or pamphlet, as we'll see. And it's called <laughs> Acting Without Acting. And Larry goes over to chat with Jerry about it. And let's uh, let's grab that for our first uh, clip of this week's episode. Uh, huh? yeah, Hold on. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I love the face. Don't you love the face? Oh, the, the burning intensity. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the let's cut the crap, you know. <laughs> It's um, not so much as a book as a as a pamphlet. Oh. No, kind of on the thin side, isn't it? He's saying acting without acting. Yeah. So if you're not going to act, there's not much left to say. Acting without acting. Yeah, everything is without. Yeah. Raise your kids without raising them. <laughs> you know what else is kind of annoying? If you notice, people are saying, having said that, after everything they say now. Yes. yes. Having said that. Yes. Let me say this. Right. Right. You say what you really want to say. Yeah. And then you negate it. Now, having said that, yeah. so what is that? So you win either way. You know, a comedian goes up on stage. You know, you people are a bunch of morons. Having said that, I'm very happy to be here. Right. Yeah. Hey, I talked to your buddy Mocha Joe a minute ago. You know, he's a little upset that you didn't give him anything for taking those jumper cables to Tim Kaiser. He said something to you? Yeah, he did. What? He made a comment that uh, Larry was a uh, boy. It takes a lot to get a tip out of that guy. I asked him to do me a favor. I didn't say I want to hire you. I said... Do me a favor. That's what a tip is. A tip is money for a favor. No, a favor implies no tip. Someone that's supposed to be tipped was not tipped. You better uh, tip him. 
Sunglasses. <laughs> Into glasses, you know. You're really cutting the figure these days. Well, thank you very much. Congrats. Thank you yeah, very this much. This is really something. Thank you very much. How long did this take? That's uh, that's the, that's about a year and change of my oh, life right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yet it's uh, very concise. Yeah, I tried to I tried to get it down to the essentials. Yeah. I'll read it with dinner. Yeah, what does acting without acting mean? It just means that you know, you know, you don't want to see the actor at work. Right. You want to hide the technique. It's acting. It's doing the job. It's the craft. So you hide the actor's effort. But he's still acting. Yeah, of course. You're acting, <laughs> of course. Right. It could be acting with acting. That could be a title too. Yeah. Yeah. Having said that, I think this is a terrific title. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, Blair. Blair, can I talk to you just for a sec? Oh, sure. It is without act. I mean, it's it's hiding the acting. Right. It's hiding the acting, and yet it's all acting. Mostly. Yeah. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is just, you know, great Seinfeldian dialogue. Like, I, almost everything this in these, like, couple episodes, if not everything, where you have Seinfeld people talking to each other is just, like, straight out of George and Jerry at the coffee shop type stuff. It's really wonderful. Yeah, but what the fuck is Jerry talking about? Like, a tip is not money for a favor. A tip is money for a service. Well, like, he's just, you know, he's giving Larry a hard time. He's, he's yeah, well, like... A favor's service. not a service. It's something a friend does. Now, having that said was, that, Mocha that was... Joe's not a friend, so... Right. But then it's there not you a go. favor. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. Like, you know, when Jerry was doing these episodes, at first he was he would tell us, he goes like, why don't you guys just take the extra few days and write the script? <laughs> and, you know, because Jerry, you know, I would, we'd always call Jerry the jeweler, right? How can I condense this? How can I make it? How can the joke be the most efficient, the least amount of syllables? And this is a little more spread out. And, and um, but by the end of it, he was like, I get it. And, you know, like this scene and a few scenes that are coming up, you're like, oh, I see. You can just stuff just comes up and and things are organically made in the moment. And you know, I'm really making that's Larry's really laughing there. I mean, Larry always feels like that's what he didn't like about sitcoms. People say funny things and then people don't laugh. That's crazy. Like people laugh in real life. Right. And they're around funny right. people. That's um, funny. I actually never even thought of that. That's funny. I mean, it is, it is yeah, it's sure. a great point. Like Jerry is sort of famous among all comedians for like every intonation, every syllable he goes over and over, and it's such a perfected performance. And yeah, this is like completely opposite that. So it must have been tougher for him. You know, so many of the actors you guys have on the show have improv backgrounds and Larry's like, or Jerry, excuse me, is very much not that. So, but he did. Yeah, but then great. he realized, oh, when I find things like it's not the laugh of, it's not the laugh of reciting something that I know works. Yeah. Right. Right. There's right. A, it's a surprise. There, there's a special joy as a performer. Larry has it. And I think Jerry found it of finding things in the moment. Well, can yeah. we talk about his laugh in reaction to uh, uh, Super Dave's joke? The 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 your cunt is in the sink last week. <laughs> First take. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my question: How does Larry? If you see the scene, Jerry of course explodes. Larry has his just pissed off, you know, totally like get Funkhauser out of here face. He doesn't react at all to that joke, which he could not have seen coming, especially on the first take. No, he definitely didn't see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> Larry, Larry's kryptonite is different. Larry, here's where Larry can't hold it together. Like you're about to get to a scene where Larry's at Susie's house and Susie right. tells him to get the fuck out and all that stuff. <laughs> That's where, I mean, those we are editing like to the mill before he bursts. I mean, he, nothing makes Larry laugh harder than having like Susie Green scream at him. Yeah. When he's getting, that's when he just loses it and it's impossible. Well, Larry, David, and I have that in common because that's one of the things that makes yeah. me laugh the most also. But isn't that Susie's a curse in life, Susie Espin? Like everywhere she goes, people want like, you know, give her their cell phones and say, you know, curse out my husband, curse out my friend. Like, <laughs> And by the way, literally the nicest human being on the planet. Yeah. She's the wow, sweetest, yeah. 
but she goddamn she funny but yeah that's this is this is her this is her role now hmm. listen if, if yeah. anybody wants me to uh, curse out a member a family or friend i'm happy to do so <laughs> yeah we can provide that service too yeah. um oh yeah okay so we uh so we pick up the conversation between larry and julia and she wants to know if he was sitting in a particular chair because she's discovered a stain on the wood table where larry had earlier been sitting and this uh this table has been in the uh julia louis dreyfus uh family for generations Mm. and larry's like no 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 that wasn't me you know i always hold on to my glass um i also do the same it's a good crutch to have a glass because like you know when you when you don't want to talk to anyone it just makes you seem like you're busy like you can refill the glass you can put ice in the glass there's all sorts of things you could do with a glass it's a great prop when you're shy at a dinner party yeah the new Um, cigarette yeah yeah well but i I feel terrible for larry here because i think it's actually the next scene when they're back on the set but you know julia says you know i've known you since 1983 84 as larry says you know i know when you're lying there's nothing worse in life than when you're not lying and someone is telling you that you're lying like you know that they think you're guilty but you're actually not and uh you know so i feel when you've lied so often yes (laughs) right like yes most of the time you are correct i am usually lying this time i wasn't sometimes there is a wolf yeah so yeah she said yeah so she says she believes him uh, having said that i don't really think i'm buying your line of bullshit yeah <laughs> uh, so yeah so uh happens to be mocha joe is also working this party course, and yes. he goes over to uh confront him but you know what's like this i'm hearing you're telling everyone i didn't tip you and mocha joe is standing firm by his position he should have been tipped for the favor and larry says you know if you asked me for a favor i would do that out of the goodness of my heart i wouldn't expect money in return and mocha joe says fine Go to West Hollywood and pick up my beans for me from Stern Brothers Coffee. Yeah. And as soon as Larry Equal hears, favor. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as Larry hears the details of this favor, he's like, "Okay, okay, I'll give you the money. I should have tipped you. I'm gonna tip you. Um, you know, you know, let's make this right." And Mocha Joe's like, "No, nope, a favor for a favor." And Larry finally gives in. He says, "Fine, I'll go get the beans. Yeah. All favors are equal." By the way, I love Larry David, co-creator of Seinfeld, sort of the brains behind the operation here, the showrunner. And yet he is like the lowest person on the totem pole. We discussed last week with Vicky Lewis how she can basically, she's playing a line producer. She has more hand than Larry. She bullies him into lunches he doesn't want to go to. And now Mocha Joe, like a guy providing coffee on set, like in real life, this guy, like he talks back to the showrunner. He's unemployed 30 seconds later. But here he has like Larry under his thumb. It's amazing. By the way, Stern Brothers Coffee is another little piece of trivia that is a reference to our Curb uh, AD, um, Dale Stern. So we needed a name. So that's where that came from. Oh, awesome. Is Dale Stern a coffee drinker or? <laughs> oh, he'll, as an AD, I, yes. Yes, fair. Mm. Uh, yeah, so Larry, uh, Larry heads out to West Hollywood to do the favor. And unfortunately, he gets caught in tons of traffic. Uh, you know, he has to call Cheryl and say, sorry, you know, we have to cancel tonight. Well, maybe we'll do it another night. And to make matters worse, when he finally gets there, the Stern Brothers Coffee is closed. And for all his hard work, he didn't even get the beans. Mm. Um, it's interesting. I remember when season 10 was on, I think a lot of people speculated that Larry was going to remember that, you know, he knew where Mocha Jones gets his beans from, namely ah. Stern Brothers Coffee. Um, and we thought like that was going to be like the twist ending. Um, I mean, I feel like we, so we've noticed on Curb, it seems like, you know, you guys like don't really care that much about any sort of like continuity, the sort of stuff, which obviously is fine. Um, but like, does, is, does this stuff like ever get raised or like, you know, we, we did this on Seinfeld already and like now we're doing a new twist. Like sometimes it feels like, you know, Larry going back to the well on the same like neuroses that he has, but like, we always like wonder like, this, you know, is there someone in the room that's like, this is a Seinfeld thing or this happened already and I mean, like, let's bring it back somehow. We try and police ourselves pretty well. I mean, there's, cause there's a lot of times like Larry will be talking about a story and I'll go, uh, we did that. And he'll go, where? I go on Seinfeld. And I go, you weren't there. 
<laughs> we did it. So it's like it's not we that. did that. He's like you did that, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of episodes and a lot, a lot of curves, and it's been a lot, a lot of time. So things like this, it was like, oh, we remember this, but it was like, you know what? It was so long ago. No one cares. That it wasn't. It wasn't going to help our story. Right. To like go back to Stern Brothers Coffee for like a few people might remember when we really wanted to right. go to Mexico and do yeah. all that. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely consistent with what we, you know, like you guys are just much more focused, focused on the story you're telling than like having, you know, a shared universe, like a la the wire, as we said before, where, you know, right. everything has to kind of tie together. And, you know, for this type of show that obviously makes a ton of sense. Um, so yeah, so we're back on set and Jerry and Jason are doing a little walk and talk together. And Jerry wants to know how everything's going with shower with Cheryl and Jason's, you know, everything is really great. We even like got together last night in her apartment and they happen to be passing by Larry as he says this. And of course he's eavesdropping on them. And Larry, you know, tries to follow them to continue eavesdrop. But unfortunately, he gets in, he gets intercepted by Julia, who, again, confronts him about the wood table. Like, OK, I've, you know, it's going to be 500 bucks. Like, you know, get me the money. And Larry's like, it wasn't me. Like, I promise. I respect wood. I revere wood. I'm considerate of wood. And, you know, Julia is just like, I guess, as Alex said before, like, I know when you're lying and you're clearly lying now. Um, so rehearsal continues and Jason and Cheryl practicing the scene and they're very chummy sitting side by side on the couch. Obviously, Larry, not happy to see this. Jerry, on the other hand, is very happy to see this. He says, this is the best relationship George has ever had. I've never seen you this happy. You guys are basically Richard Benjamin and Paul Apprentice over here. Of course, yeah. uh, famous for having, I think, either the longest or the second longest uh, Hollywood relationship ever. Um, so they, and- they were a real life couple who played each other, played a couple on he and she. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I yeah, admit, I, I never heard of before this episode. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't super familiar with them either. But uh, apparently, you know, that's a you know an inside. Uh, just just twisting yeah. the knife. <laughs> yeah. Twisting the knife. Yeah, yeah. Jerry knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah, ex- we call- except that he doesn't. Like you know, he uh, he's totally clueless about you know the actual motivation that that uh, that, that Larry has here. No, but he knows. But he all he has to know is he knows the comedy structure here. Yeah. He knows what he needs to do yeah, to make right. this scene funny, and so he's yeah. just going right at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we have a cut and Jason and Cheryl head off together and Larry tries to follow them again. This time he's intercepted by Mocha Joe, wants to know where's my beans. Hmm. And Larry explains the whole story, you know, traffic, I got stuck, they were closed. And Mocha Joe is very disappointed, you know, you didn't do a favor. And Larry's like, no, I did do the favor, I went. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but I don't have anything. And Jerry, jump, you know, of course, John jumps into the conversation and he's, of course, full team Mocha Joe. Um, you know, Mocha Joe has nothing to show for Larry's supposed favor. You have jumper cables. What does he have? He's got a guy about a story. He's got a guy who has a story about traffic. Uh, and Larry just like completely erupts, you know, whatever happens to E for effort. Uh, Mocha Joe counters F for favor. And Jerry finally chimes in C for coffee. And this is one of these moments organic not in <clears throat> not in our outline where right. jerry said oh this is fun like we're just making something up that wasn't even there and it's great yeah and like to to kind of like prove your point and like be like kind of like you know against jerry seinfeld for the for purposes of this uh conversation this is the type of dialogue that i feel like if somebody had like written this in a writer's room it would get like thrown out as cheesy that like f for effort favor c for coffee but like when it kind of develops like that it's hilarious and like you actually see that oh that was funny and like you leave it in yeah, it has a different energy. Yeah. It has that that like frisson of like, oh my God, this just happened. This is like real. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, okay. So we're over at Jeff's house now and, uh, he's telling Jeff, you know, I'm really nervous about this whole Cheryl Jason thing. Um, you know, I, by the time I was able to find them, you know, they were in the car, but of course tinted windows. So I had no idea what was going on in there. By the way, and Larry's like insinuating that Jason's fooling around with Cheryl because of the tinted windows, you know, we were talking about Richard Benjamin and Paul Apprentice. Uh, Jason's been married to the same woman for longer than Av and I have been alive. So <laughs> Larry's uh, uh, not being too nice to his uh, friend here, I think. But, uh, yeah. By the way, well, yeah. <laughs> Jason just is doing such an amazing job of playing like a version of, J again, Jason's yeah. amazing. The self-serious actor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just putting him this prickly version of himself out there for the show, which is amazing. Like when That's one of the nice things about Curves. People come on and they're like, they're willing to play like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Also, one of the most kind, considerate, sweetest, is willing to play this passive aggressive kind of version of himself on curb. Um, that's one of the best things about getting these great people is they're willing to come and just be someone they're not. Right. Or Michael Richards last week, you know, making fun of, you know, the worst moment of his life. And like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Jason, and Jason's really, I mean, you know, Av and I, even on the, in seasons two and three, when Jason and, and Larry first get together, Jason has really built in the curb world, like this real enmity between the two of them. It's almost like this bitterness because, you know, Jason played sort of Larry David and which obviously in real life, I'm sure they're great friends, but Jason's been building this for like years and years. So we get to this season of Curb and oh yeah, we already know that in the world of Curb, like, you know, Jason can't stand Larry basically. <laughs> yeah. It's a great, it's a great comic conceit and it's, and he's doing the whole show a giant favor yeah. by willing to not look amazing. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So like Jeff is like completely skeptical. He's like, they could be eating burritos in there. Like you sound crazy. This whole thing is going to blow over. Um, so Larry's like, fine. He's walking out and out of the corner of his eye, he spots a ring stain on the greens coffee table. And he remembers suddenly that Susie was actually holding a drink in the very spot where the table got damaged and wonders maybe she's the culprit. And she start, he starts uh, interrogating her. You know, do you respect wood? You cause the stain. And she says, you know, I respect wood so much that if I had a piece of wood right now, I would use it to beat the shit out of you. Um, but Larry's not convinced because he he's been seeing a consistent disrespect for wood. And he starts looking around the room for evidence of stains on the various other wooden surfaces uh, yeah. right up until the moment that Susie kicks, her out of, kicks him out of her house. Yeah, and yells at Jeff to call the sprinkler guy. Susie, why don't you call the fucking sprinkler guy? <laughs> Um, what Jeff, do you, uh, excuse me, um, or yeah, you, Jeff, do you remember, was the, I would smack you with a piece of wood, was that line in, in there, or was that Susie coming up with that on the spot? No, that's, uh, that is, that's her. Okay. That's her. <laughs> that's pure Susie Essman, and, uh, just amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so we head, uh, back over to the set lot, and Larry sees Cheryl pulling into the lot, and he, uh, you know, decides to wait for her, so they have a little chat. Do to your windows. I got them tinted. Jason Sky gave me a great deal. Oh, his guy? Yeah. Really? I'm telling you, it makes a big difference with the sun. It's so bright. What happened the other night? What do you mean? I was supposed to come over. You told me not to come, and you wound up working with Jason. Well, you said you were busy with your beans, doing something. Busy with my beans? I wasn't busy with any beans. That's what you said on the phone. You were doing something with beans. I was picking beans up. I wasn't busy with them. That's busy doing a... I said the phrase busy with beans. I don't think you so. You said beans and clearly you were busy. So you could not okay, come fine. over to my house. You want to think that I was busy with beans? You were Go ahead because and that's that. what you said on the phone. No. Why would I make up beans? So what was Jason doing in your house? 
I'm just curious. I'm curious. You know what? I need to get going. I'm just curious. How did they You're wind up in your house? I'm not I being weird. I'm just curious. Going. I want to know how he wound up there. Did he call you? Did you call him? I'm curious. This is all your fault, Mocha Joe. What's all my fault? Everything. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're busy me with your beans. I'm not going to forget this, Mocha Joe. You still owe me a favor, Larry. Yeah, I'll bring you breakfast in bed tomorrow. Yeah, good. I'll be hungry. I think so, that's my favorite line of the episode. <laughs> What's all my fault? Everything. <laughs> to me, it's you busied me with your beans. And yeah, that's, I love that one. Like, you busied me with your beans. That's, that's, that's one of the things I love the most about working on the show is that this is like, all right, she's busy with the beans. Then we go, we start to play with that. I'm just like telling her, we should just, let's keep using that busy with the beans. And Cheryl's so great at, at keeping that ball in the air and just using that, um, using that phrase in different ways. And like, I didn't, just treating that like it's a, of like to busy with beans is a phrase Term that of everyone art, yeah. uses all the time. And anyway, that that's that's one of the most fun things about doing this kind of this kind of show is you can just create that stuff um, out of whole cloth. Yeah, but I, I really love again like watching this postseason ten how we keep establishing that the primacy of Mocha Joe's beans those are critical beans. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we uh, we continue with the rehearsal, same scene as before, uh, but this time when Jason and Cheryl start getting uh, a little chummy on the, cl- the couch again, Larry jumps in. He says he wants to change the blocking of the scene. Um, and, you know, first he tries moving them a little bit apart, like him on the stool, him on the armchair. He says, you know, that's not, even that is not uh, far enough. <laughs> and he moves uh, Jason over into the bathroom because uh, he says that will be funnier for, to have him talk for the bathroom. And Jerry obviously knows something's up. He's like, come on, listen, you know, when we used to work together on Seinfeld, uh, you know, we'd be able to tell each other everything, the most intimate details like what's going on here and Larry uh, won't fess up insists everything is fine and Jerry gives Larry the uh, famous Larry stare um, with a little bit of a Jerry kicker at the end right like he does the stare and then oh, he does that amazing. little like yeah yeah he uh, does, the, like that, that that this yes yeah, yeah. The, the face I mean, forward that was that was a that is one of the most classic ones a Larry Jerry stare down is yeah. um, I was like I was so happy to do that and they were so it's so funny um, and just Larry was straight up lying to his his partner in all things yeah uh it's you know as um that was a great great moment that's one of my favorite moments in there yeah i love i love like as you know the sudden aggressive re-stare hard to describe uh uh you know with words but um you know larry it seems like the stairs ended and uh, jerry comes back one more time also noteworthy that um through the first six seasons of the show we had 11 stairs all larry initiated but now both stairs this season have been initiated by the counterparty. We had Mr. Takahashi in the Black Swan, which we spoke to Zana Lee about a couple weeks ago, and now Jerry here. So Larry's got to get around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Larry's got to reclaim his stair because it's being used against him. Uh, and Jerry's even, you know, it's uh, he takes the move and he adds the knuckle. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> again, those are things you can do after you've done It's like you got to play with the, yeah. you got to play that. We, we talked about that. It's like, oh, this is a great opportunity for Larry to get it. Yeah. Is that a thing that Larry David does in real life or is that just for the show? Oh, just okay. He did. I think it was in his in his uh, stand up. I think it was a thing he did. That's there. Like Maybe many, many, oh, like I, the early eighties. You're saying? Yeah, oh, wow. I saw it for the first time on the show. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's like a, something that he took from from his stand up. I think we somebody sent us that clip once. Wow. Um. So yeah. So Larry walks away again. Sees Jason and Cheryl are gone. Goes to follow them and sees uh, Jason's car doing a little uh, bumping up and down. And he obviously he can't see inside. And we see Eric Andre, by the way, also. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is actually his first uh, his first TV credit is yeah. this, uh, these two episodes. Yeah. Um, he was on. La- and- he was credited on last week's episode, but I don't think he gets a line. But then in this episode, he gets yeah. A lines. Yeah. He has a couple scenes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he obviously can't see inside. He assumes the worst. So he opens the door to uh, do a big reveal. But instead, two large dogs come jumping out and they start chasing after Mocha Joe. Um, I guess Larry never learned when this car is a rock and don't come a knocking. Yeah. What, what, what the hell's going on here with, with Jason and his dogs, though? So, first of all, <laughs> even with tinted windows, I don't know how safe it is to keep yeah, these dogs. Yeah, it's probably pretty hot. Yeah. And then it's the door opens. It's pretty hot in the valley. All yeah. I can say is no, no dogs, no <laughs> dogs, <laughs> and no dogs were harmed. Mm. All um, right, great. Now, did the dogs have a script, or did they just – because they get out of the car, and Mocha Joe's 100 feet away, and they just – first of all, he instantly starts running. Everybody knows. You don't run away from a dog. You know, you're, you're asking them to chase – um, but yeah, they, I, I don't know if they're on Larry's side, but they really have it in for Mocha Joe, apparently. Well, those dogs, those dogs and Larry had been looking for a project to do, uh, do together mm. for quite some time. I see. Okay. And this just worked out. Um, yeah, that's Larry, those Mocha Joes at the end are so good. Yeah. Mocha Joe. <laughs> Amazing performance. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, we head back inside uh, Larry and Jerry and uh, Jerry's telling Larry how, you know, you got to go speak to Mocha Joe. They're, you know, they're going to kill the dogs. These are Jason's dogs. They're going to put them down. And um, Larry said, you know, finally, finally, I'll fine. I'll go. Uh, I'll go, you know, try to win uh, Mocha Joe over. And Larry, of course, still very focused on Julia's table and trying to figure out who it is, uh, starts interrogating Jerry about, you know, does he respect Wood? And because, you know, he sees a stain on uh, on this table, on this desk. And, mm-hmm. La- you know, Jerry says, well, you know, this is a low grade Wood. So, like, it's not such a big deal. Uh, Larry's like, well, I respect all wood. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and Jerry, you know, just gets all wood matters. Whole, yeah, gets into a whole uh, bit about uh, you know. So you're if you're at a uh, if you're at a funeral, you're more upset about the coffin than the deceased. This uh, very much uh, in the line yeah. of you know Jerry Seinfeld's very the, famous yeah, uh, joke about you know yeah giving the eulogy versus being in the coffin. Um, so yeah, back outside and Larry and then, and then Jerry to- says um, when when Larry says how did the snake get here and he says that's between the coffee and the wood. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so larry goes to speak to mocha joe he says you know they're gonna you know they're gonna kill the dogs and he's no, hold like on a second. i have a question we've yeah. already established in the bear midriff that jerry knows when you need something done you send larry because he will blow it up so if they really don't want mocha joe to you know press these charges shouldn't they be sending jerry or somebody who mocha joe doesn't already hate or does jerry kind of sort of want to sabotage it Jerry, Jerry's white glove. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's the other thing he said. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, so Larry uh, goes to talk to Mocha Joe, tells him, you know, they're going to execute the dogs, and he's like, good, <laughs> that's right. Those dogs are getting gassed. I would do it myself and, and broadcast it on TV if I could. Um, and Larry's like, Larry's like, come on, can you do me uh, solid? <laughs> and Mocha Joe's like, oh, isn't there another word for solid? Maybe it starts with an F. And he says, fine, do me a favor. And Mocha Joe says, well, does this favor come with a tip? And he says, sure. And he puts $20 in his jar. And he says, that's for the jumper cables. So Larry gives him another 20. He says, that's for the coffee beans I was supposed to get. He gives him a third. And Mocha Joe says, one I think, dog the, third one's, I think the third one's a Benjamin, actually. Looks like oh, a yeah? Yeah. oh, I didn't even notice that. Uh, yeah. So he says, one dog lives. And then finally, with the, with the, uh, the fourth uh, bill, um, <laughs> save execution for the dog. So yeah, so uh, as you said before, Eric Andre comes back. Um, and he's picking up the order. And the, uh, the mention of a uh, vanilla decaf latte uh, catches Larry's attention, because uh, he knows that's Cheryl's drink of choice. And he follows uh, Eric Andre back to Cheryl's dressing room, where Jason answers the door. And Larry barges in, demanding to know what's going on. Where's Jason? And Jason escapes through window and runs <laughs> off which looks you know to, to be fair looks extremely guilty if that's how you react now now george once claimed to have Claim. done this while taking okay. an iq test right that he jumped yeah. out a window <laughs> to get yes. some coffee 
Yes. Right? <laughs> so here he actually does it. And I see you there laughing and lying, lying yeah. and laughing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Cheryl is not pleased. Um, and uh, let's take a look at their conversation. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? What, what am I doing? What are you doing? What's what's going on in here? Nothing. Something's going on. Otherwise, they wouldn't be running away. Well, you're intimidating him. Really? Yeah. He's very sensitive, by the way. Oh, is he? Yes. Jason's sensitive? He's sensitive. He's funny. He's a little neurotic. So things like this I, what can get under kidding? his skin. That's George. It's not Jason. That's Jason. That's George. That's all George. And that's me. I wrote that stuff. You're not attracted to him. You're attracted to me. I'm George. I've got it all, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah and then um yeah just a completely wonderful scene um, jason just, scamper know, as he's running out uh you know out the window is amazing i just love the sort of the physical well, and he does that he does that little yeah. look at the ends you catch it. i mean he, yeah. it's just perfection perfection yeah yeah, and uh, of course we'll we'll very shortly be you know just taking this concept to an entirely next level. Uh, but let's uh, let's get there in a couple minutes. Um, so yeah, we're back on set and we got the four the core four together, Jerry's apartment, and they're going through the new script that they just got, and they're very confused by what seem to be some very major changes to the show. And Larry explains that, you know, I decided that having George and Amanda end up together would be so lame. That's not the type of ending that we do. That's not, we never did that on Seinfeld. Um, Jerry's like, actually, that's what makes it funny because, you know, the, the fact that we never did stuff like that and do it here is, uh, is actually what gives it some humor. Um, and, you know, I'm really worried because, you know, we already screwed up one finale and we can't do that again. Yeah, uh, Larry, I'm surprised by that, that line. <laughs> Larry, uh, Larry, get, of course, chimes in that the finale was fine. Yeah. Um, so, th yeah, this, so here's a question that I have for you, uh, Jeff. Obviously, you know, the Seinfeld finale was, you know, fairly divisive among Seinfeld fans. Um, I I'm team Larry. Uh, obviously, team Jerry. Yeah. Well, I mean, not, not, you know, not, you know, to the level of like Game of Thrones or Lost where it's like ruined the, the season of the show or anything. Like, yeah. so it's like fine. So one episode of Seinfeld like wasn't the best episode. It's fine. Um, but like, is there actually like, is this just completely projecting like the reaction to it? Or is there any sense even among Seinfeld people where, where the finale itself was divisive that like some people like will stand by it and some people are like, yeah, that wasn't our best episode. Oh, no, I think this is, this is us like just nodding to that kind of thing. We're like, right. That is, you know, it's out there. Yeah. yeah, we know it's out there. Here it is. It's funny that they're it's it's funny that Larry and Jerry are arguing about it. Right. Yeah. Like it's funny that I mean that was like, hey, we can poke fun at ourselves. Like yeah. nothing's sacred. Um, we have a good sense of humor about everything. Yeah, so, like Jerry, like Jason has a has a reputation of being like a very serious actor, so he makes fun of that. And so Jerry, you know, makes fun of, you know, the episode being not everyone's favorite. But yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. It, it is like kind of consistent with like those two characters that like Jerry would like acknowledge, like, oh yeah, like the reaction to that episode like wasn't the best. Like it probably wasn't our best episode. And like Larry will just like go to his grave yeah. insisting that like it was the best thing he's ever written, and I don't care what anybody else thinks, I know what's funny. Well, Larry um, was the stand-up who would tell the audience that they were wrong, right? When they uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so, um, Jason's like, you know, this doesn't work. I got invested in a very specific storyline with a very specific ending. And now this is completely different and I'm out. Yeah. And the whole again, I think it's like, a reference, right? He threatened to quit Seinfeld after they go to Florida without him. And so here he says, I don't like this and I'm out. So again, it's, he's, Jason's almost making fun of himself a little bit here as the uh, threatened quitter. Yeah. Um, and yeah, everyone's like, damn, like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to do an episode of Seinfeld reunion without Jason Alexander playing George? Um, and Larry, of course, has a wonderful idea. Mm. I'll play George. <laughs> what? I'll play George. I'll play George. What? 
Yes! <laughs> I can do it! You'll we'll play what, George's butler? What do you mean? <laughs> no, I will play George Costanza. I can do it! I know I can. Right. I wrote it. Uh, the character's based on me. There were two Darrens. Yeah. On Bewitched. Nobody liked that second uh, Darren. I didn't care for the second Darren. But two Lloyd Browns. See what this is? Two Frank Costanza. There's iconic television here. That's, that's an icon. He's an icon. She's an icon. He was an icon. Icon. <laughs> no con. There's no John, Paul, George, and Larry. And Larry. It's not what they want. <laughs> What are we going to do? Well, somebody's going to have to go get Jason. <laughs> Let me try it. Let me try it. Let me do one scene. What do you got to lose? <laughs> so I'm in the bank the other day. I'm on the line, and the guy in front of me is leaving a space in front of him. Well, you know, I can't take that. No, you can't take that. I'm thinking, come on, tighten it up, dude. Tighten it up. Right. So then... Oh, you're going to do the Blackberry head down thing on me now? What, what, what is with the Blackberry people? Can I just pick up a magazine, hold it in front of your face, and read it while you're talking? Is that okay, too? Wait, what? Magazine? <laughs> hey, George. Are you happy? What? Huh? I want to know if you're happy. Yeah, I'm reasonably happy. You had to interfere, didn't you? George, what are you talking about? Kramer and I were all set to do this fake mugging, and you had to put all these ideas in his head that he was doing something wrong. George, wouldn't it be easier just to talk to Amanda? No. 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 Ho oh, ho! George is getting upset. Huh? Huh? What do you think? I just quit. I did. I tried to do George, and they didn't like it. You know what? Let him do their stupid ending with Jason. He's already on his way back here. I don't care. Well, you know what? The only reason I did this whole thing was, was to be with her, to work with her, to, to, to get her back. But if I can't have her, what's the point? I don't care. I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm quitting. <laughs> Um, and of course, uh, he happened to be standing right outside Cheryl's car with the newly tinted windows right as he said that. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, break down this scene a little because this to me is just like truly one of the most amazing scenes of television yes, like, in the history of the medium. Like, as someone who, you know, loves Seinfeld, loves Curb, just seeing like the world fold in upon itself uh, with Larry David stepping onto stage to try to play George Costanza. Um, there's even well, like there's with a wonder- Larry as Jason as George as Larry, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of levels. There. Yeah, there's definitely levels here. Um, uh, it's, it's spectacular navel gazing on yeah, a, yeah. you know on a twenty year. It's a twenty year journey that took us to that moment, right? And by the way, I think other than the ho-ho, I think that Larry's George is actually incredible. I mean, he's not Jason Alexander, which is kind of a problem. There's an amazing uh, deleted deleted scene or outtake, whatever, on the DVD of Jason coaching Larry in how to play George, which again, like just adds like a further level to like the mania that we just yeah. talked about. It's like he's like teaching him how to do the ho ho ho. Like it's yeah. just great. It's like it's one of my favorite. I, I'll watch that YouTube video all the time. It's wonderful. Now we've talked a little about how you know Larry's not sort of into the minutia of what what happened on Seinfeld, you know, as much as you know some of uh, us are perhaps. 
But it's funny because he does mention the two Darrens on Bewitched. He doesn't mention the Lloyd Brauns or the Frank Costanzas. <laughs> he's aware there were two Lloyd Brauns, right? <laughs> those wouldn't have, I mean, he's, those wouldn't have been as good an argument, would they? Like, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> I think the fun thing about this was like, you know, I think there was some like, am I doing this? Am I really going to do this? Like, we're like, you have to do this. This is like, this is an amazing thing. Yes. Everyone's going to love it. Like, um, but it is, I mean, Jason showing Larry how to play George as Jason when Jason was really playing Larry, Larry yeah. is, is incredible. Idea. Right. Yeah. The idea that, that Jason Alexander would have to teach Larry David how to play Larry David is yeah. just so terrific. Yeah. John Paul, George, Larry, Ruth, Gary, DiMaggio, Mantle, Costanza. <laughs> and, you know, by the way, the other interesting thing, like our AD on that was our, was Randy Carter, our real, our real Seinfeld AD. Um, who was doing all that stuff in the background behind Larry, you can see like, like Kramer's uh, stand in, like all those people are just are people from Seinfeld. Right. Um, so, um, yeah. I mean, it really is another episode of Seinfeld in a sense. And that's how we're treating it next week on this podcast. So well, and when <laughs> yeah, you do that, I mean, it was so complicated to, I'll just say it was so complicated to do, to put this together because you had to basically write a Seinfeld, which Larry and Jerry went and wrote. And then we had to sort of, blow it up and show which scenes are we going to do where so that we weren't repeating too much. We were letting the story progress, you know, all the way building towards the end, which you guys will talk about next week, I'm sure. But it was really complicated to keep all of this in your head. Like, because again, we're not shooting curb in order either. So we're not shooting curb in order. And we have to keep that and those improvs and what was said and what wasn't said also tying to which episode of which scene from Seinfeld are we doing? Right. And that's so I, and yeah. I, I think it's so I love how you don't just show, you know, the Seinfeld episode sequentially, but you really, you know, you put the pieces here and there and so people have gone on YouTube and sort of pasted it together. And some of the scenes have, you know, George um, being played by Jason and some have it being played by Larry and some have Cheryl playing Amanda and some have Virginia playing Amanda. But I, it's just um, I, I like so I, I have watched it all the way through as like a 12 minute episode of Seinfeld, but I like it even more the way you guys do it here because, you know, you're just dropping morsels and bits and pieces. And so we get a taste, but yeah, that's the focus here is not an episode of Seinfeld. That's just the vehicle for this. Uh, yeah. Right. What, one thing that I find so fascinating about that Jerry Larry exchange is Seinfeld, of course, like was during the 1990s. And that's, I think when you kind of like came of age in your writing career and directing career. And like, that was a time period, I think both in TV and movies where like the behind the camera people were just like not known commodities. And like, it, it is factually correct. And it's like, it was the core four and like Larry Dave, in the 1990s wasn't a person that like the average television viewer had any idea who he was other than like maybe you once read like a New York Times profile about like the guy behind Seinfeld or something like that and Curb is like coincides with this like era on TV and movies where the auteur and the filmmaker and the showrunner have really become very much more central than even the actors in terms of like marketing things and like following things it's like when a a new show comes on like I want to know who made it not necessarily who's in it like and it's just like so interesting that the way that that has changed just in the time period between Seinfeld was on that like Larry that Jerry Seinfeld could point to Larry David and say no con like we're yeah. icons and like now Larry David is like probably other than maybe Jerry is like the most part the person most associated with Seinfeld. Um, I've like joked for like many years that like Herb is almost like Larry David's like Seinfeld reality tour a la Kramer and Peterman, where it's like he gets to show the world like, yeah, I know like we put Jerry's name on it, but like Seinfeld was my baby, too, or maybe even just my baby, like from like a per- certain perspective, like so much of Seinfeld is from Larry David's real life and his brain. Well, I think, yeah, it's his brain. I mean, his, you know, Larry and Jerry did it together, but Larry has like when the show was done, it's not like he stopped having ideas. Of course. Yeah. Right. I mean, 
that's actually the thing going back to why Curb, every season to the last season of Curb, I finally realized why. Because at the end of every season, he's put all the ideas he likes into that season. So there are no more ideas he likes left. So why would you ever do another season? Yeah, he's not saving stuff. Yeah. Because he's right. the only Puts human the being that thinks he's not going to come up with more ideas. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's um, imagine being, you know, that wildly successful and still being yeah. like insecure about your creative abilities <laughs> is, is something. Yeah. Um, okay. Because, so I mean, yes. Yav, you're right. Like, you know, Mad Men or The Wire or Sopranos, we think of the showrunner more than we think of any of the actors. And yeah, that was not a thing in the 90s. Like Jeff Schaefer and Alec Berg were, well, Alec Berg is a John Houseman name, of course. But, but other than that, like <laughs> these are just names that I'd see on the screen for one second at the end of the episode, but especially as a 14 year old, it didn't mean anything to me. And now, like, yeah, those are the people who, like, you know, almost matter more because it's, it's their vision even more. Obviously, in Kirby, you have Larry, the actor, and he's creating the I can, season. But... I can tell you, was, as a 24 year old starting on Seinfeld, I was very aware who Larry was. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This like God King that you looked up to. And it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to close out the episode uh, back at Larry's house and he's watching the reunion. He's uh, really enjoying himself, laughing, chuckling. Now, hold um, on. Right. I have a question here. So what is the timeline here? Is Larry watching the show as it's aired or is he being sent to tape? No, he's watching it on, he's watching it on TV. So, okay. So then, all right. So then that's, so how's the timing here? So he quits, Cheryl quits. And then they replace her with Virginia. They film it. It takes weeks, and then it gets produced. And then it puts on the air. That whole time, Cheryl doesn't reach out to Larry. She waits until the night that it's aired. Well, it doesn't have to be that long. I mean, they were they're in rehearsals. They could have been shooting the next day. Mm, okay. <laughs> By the time you're on set like that with wardrobe and stuff, I mean that could have been a Thursday. They could have been shooting on a Friday. Yeah. Okay. It just uh, yeah. It seems. Uh, and then, and by the way, then it's it's you know it's a few days. To, it's a few days of editing. And yeah. Done. Uh, that's, Cheryl- the, that's the conceit is the conceit is the edit time. Yeah, Cheryl waits until it's airing, I guess, to make her dramatic appearance at his house. Um, Also, I do like if it was the live airing of the show, then it is very funny that like the moment that this Seinfeld union has just aired, it's a huge thing. LD thinks that Julie is going to answer her phone to talk about a (laughs) a ring stain on a coffee table. But again, uh, it's been broadcast. I mean, he pauses. You hear that little the old TiVo boop boop. Right. So that's another question I have. So when the doorbell rings, I thought he doesn't pause. It looks like he turns the TV off because don't we see a black screen? No, Larry just might not know how to use his TiVo. No, I think we're on him. I'm pretty sure we're on him, and we just hear that oh, kind okay. of liquidy. Yeah, I guess you would know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so uh, he's enjoying himself right up until the moment that Amanda turns around and reveals that it is not Cheryl, David, but rather Virginia Sloan, and he doesn't know what's going on. Great reveal, um, by the way. I love how they, how they uh, film that. Yeah, yeah. Just, be- just before the doorbell rings, we hear uh, George deliver a pretty, 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 pretty good full five pretties mm-hmm. from George Costanza. Um, is that the- Alex, is that the first time we've had someone other than Larry say pretty, pretty, pretty good? Yes, it is. And it's also only the second five pretties. We got uh, the first full five pretties was in the thong in season two when LD tell- told the therapist that he was feeling pretty, 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 pretty good. But we've had only three and two and four pretties. Uh, since then. So yeah, Jason goes with the full is, five. By the way, just you guys, that's the, I'm, it's the first time anyone else has ever done it. And it was the last until this season, but we'll see if it makes it in. Oh, so editing it. Uh, okay. Oh, so now I have something to keep, uh, keep our eye out for. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so the bell rings and it's Cheryl and she's come over and she lets Larry know that she quit and, you know, Virginia took over. It was her part to begin with. She deserved to have it. Hold on one more question here. So if this is the night that it's airing, not like not when they're filming it and he's not watching like some tape, where did she get the Mocha Joe's from? Because Mocha Joe has a stand on set, but he doesn't have like a storefront yet, does he? (laughs) Um, 
she could have gotten it. By the way, we don't know if he, we don't know. That is a very good question. Um, <laughs> very we good. don't know where we don't know where his he could. By the way, he could be working at night, too. Hmm. Uh, even at yeah, the he lot. was at the party. Yeah, he's he's uh, really hustling out there, Mocha Joe. He's around. Mo- shout, that's her favorite drink. She knows where to find Mocha Joe. Yeah, she follows him on her uh, on her uh, Mocha Joe app. She knows where he's exactly. at all times. Um, yeah, and like the eye uh, right toilet. It's yeah. eye coffee. <laughs> exactly. It was a million dollar idea. <laughs> how could he be so fiscally responsible? Yeah. Um, well, I have one more question for Jeff. Actually, so we were discussing last week how Estelle Harris is in the read through and she's in the episode, but Jerry Stiller is not. Here, George actually mentions, he says, I got to call my mother in Florida. He doesn't say his parents. So I guess my working theory is that Frank Costanza passed away or maybe got divorced and moved to Italy to be with his uh, long lost family members. And so Estelle is, is now single and moves to Florida. Is that basically She's out yeah. there? She's out yeah. there. <laughs> By the way, you guys are really um, I don't remember if he couldn't make it. Could Jared because he was on the other show? I can't remember why he wasn't mm, there. Yeah, I think it was a scheduling thing. He's loyal to his son Ben. He heard how Jerry uh, was so disrespectful to Ben and injured his eye, and he's like, "That's it." That's it. <laughs> um, Moving lock, stock, but, and proud to Florida. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was great to bring Elizabeth Shue back. I love doing that. She was fantastic, by the way. But um, I thought it was a really that was a great surprise. Yeah. Um, oh, when it airs, it's like holy shit! Like what happened here? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and she explains that, uh, you know, her and Jason are not talking anymore because she called his book a pamphlet <laughs> and they, they sit down on the uh, they sit down on the couch and they enjoy the rest of the reunion episode together. Um, you know, we get, we see the closing credits and they compliment uh, each other on how great it was. And we get our final scene of season seven. <laughs> really good it was really yeah and you know what that ending was so much better than the, the one that i wrote i have to say it was yeah because they belong together really don't you think are you sure i'm absolutely positive makes his move <laughs> oh sorry about that drinks tight no i have a bad habit mm-hmm. of just putting my drink down on the bad table habit. just put your drink down on the wood look, look at that stain you made it's a new table well we'll just sand it off or something do you respect what <laughs> I guess so. You guess so? <laughs> you don't know if you respect wood? I never thought about it before. I guess I do. Oh, my God. You had a cup like that at Julia's party. You were standing right by that table. You left the ring stain on Julia's table. She blamed me the whole time, but it was you. You left the stain. Okay. Well, it's no big deal. You're right. You're right. It is no big deal. Having said that, (laughs) I would love for you to call Julia and tell her that you left the ring stain. I'm not calling Julia. Yeah, just tell her that that you were the one who left the stain on the antique table. Hold it one second. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, come on. I'm not doing that. No, I want you to talk to him. Hold it. I don't want to talk to him. What? Just, yeah, hold it. No, please. Larry. Hey, Jules. 
Oh, and there you are, directed by Jeff yep. Schaefer. So Jeff, are we meant to assume that these two end up together or that she walks out because he's calling Jules? Because, uh, you know, the episode ends and, and, and five, it's five years before we find out. Oh, we, they don't do endings where couples get together at the end. Well, I, I, one would think. <laughs> by the way, I mean, you know, stay tuned for season eight. But like, um, no, I mean, this was I think the funniest thing is this is like the most romantic episode I feel like we've done other than, you know, before my time with the symphony and that's a bit like it's really he's you know this whole season he's trying to get her back and he loves her and he's doing this for her and all this stuff and which was all like just a great setup for this like all of that all of those emotions real emotions were were, were no match for not respecting wood yeah, the, the best part of it is that, like, the whole respecting Wood thing, like, isn't even, like, a, a real Larry David thing until, like, three days ago. Like, he just, like, made this up in order to, like, you know, get Julio off his case. But like, now it's one of the most like... iconic lines from the show. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. Believe, no, no, I disagree. I believe that he's always respected Wood. He's just never had the opportunity yeah. <laughs> to, like, okay. really talk about it. But, yeah. That's why he was so offended by the accusation. He really yeah. does respect Wood. I don't think he reveres it. I don't feel like he made that one up in the moment. I feel like that's been part of his DNA. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I could buy that. Yeah, and um, it just it is it's one of like the greatest moments in uh in, in dramatic television or, or books or cinema, whatever, sort of, you know, when you when you pull that defeat from the jaws of victory, you know, like uh, the mountain and the viper in Game of Thrones, or Larry, you know, Cheryl's in in his house, she wants to kiss him. It's a done deal, but you know, he's but as you said, Jeff, he's respected Wood since before he ever met Cheryl. So <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a, it was a great it was a great ending because it was yeah. because it was a curb ending. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's, by the way, you know, whether you're talking about finales or final, like, you, I feel very strongly that the final episode of a show, of a series, should be a great episode of that series. Right. It shouldn't be a different thing mm-hmm. than the series. And, you know, that was built to be the final episode. Right. Of it, Herb, ever. Yeah. They all are that way. Um, and if that was the final episode, I love everything. We would have been like, okay, we ended really strong. Yeah. yeah. No, that, this is a very high note. These are these 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 uh, two episodes back to back are among the best episodes of the show for sure. It's yeah. they, they were so fun to do. And, and, and every season of Curb really has, like like you said, it has a, a season long story arc that gets you know wrapped up in the season finale. But each episode, each season finale has also been just as an episode, you know, in a vacuum, you know, one of the best episodes of each season. Those are, by the way, those are the hardest ones to do. We imagine, are constantly, yeah. when we're writing, we're constantly like, when you have to, especially first episodes, because you've got to set up not only stuff for the, that's going to pay off at the end of show one, but you've got to pay off stuff that's, you know, there's a lot to set up. And right. episodes where you have to both do the stuff you want to do for that episode, but also do the season art stuff are really tough. Yeah, I mean, like, you basically taken what you did on Seinfeld with the whole, like, intersecting storylines that come crashing together, then, like, map that onto an episode of Curb, and then map that onto a season of Curb, where, like, the, the pieces of the season also have to work function in that way. It's just, like, layers upon layers, as we said before. It's really amazing how you guys pull that off. And ju- just imagine the level of Inception when we get to season seven of Schaefer, how that's going to work. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, uh, I think, Jeff, we, uh, we took you a little bit past your deadline already, so um, I think we'll definitely uh, let you go yeah, um, i've got to go i'm actually got to go edit season 11 oh okay so um, by the way you guys missed it he poked his head in i thought i thought i thought that was him yeah you should have like, invited him on you should have invited him like, in. you're not gonna want to be here yeah <laughs> yeah we had tim collin bring on uh chris williams 
as a, a guest oh. bringing a guest. So yeah, that's always an option. <laughs> that's nice. I love Tim. Um, well, anyway, guys, this is really fun. Couldn't be prouder of this episode. It's definitely a five pretties. I mean, we did a Seinfeld reunion on Curb. Um, yeah. I think everyone enjoyed it except Castle Rock, who's going, wait, what the? <laughs> oh, come on, man. Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, super fun and uh, happy to uh, talk about other stuff in the future. All right. Awesome. Thank you so we much. Would, we, would, we would definitely love that. Thank you so much, Jeff. Have a great day. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Um, Av, do you know when Larry poked his head in? Because we should post the video of that moment. Um, I don't, but I'm sure we could find it pretty quickly. Yeah. Do you okay. have the video recording? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so right. just download so, it and you could just like watch it on three times speed. No, I saw, I definitely saw head poke in and it was like a bald head with glasses. And I was like, is that Larry? Okay, so Larry and, David was a guest on this podcast, officially. Uh, I think we, yeah, wait, should we put that in the, when we say with special guests, we should say Jeff Schaefer and Larry David. I mean, uh, totally seriously, we should say Jeff Schaefer and parentheses with a uh, quick appearance by Larry David as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a, uh, uncredited, uncredited, because he didn't uh, speak on. It's much like Ben Affleck. Now, here's the question. Was Larry David on our podcast as Larry David in real life, or was he on as Larry David, the character in Curb? Um, I think he was in real life because he was coming to get Jeff Schaefer, who is uh, not on Curb. So like, mm. this wouldn't have been in, okay. inside the world. Right, so of Larry Curb. David plays himself. He played on pretty, yes. pretty, pretty good. And I would say, I would say, I'm, I'm going to venture to guess. I would say he is probably the most famous person who has ever played himself on, on pretty, on, pretty, pretty, good. pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Like yes. we have me and you, yeah. uh, we're, we're moderately famous. Josh Wiggler is more famous than us. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been on, um, Chris Williams and you know, all those actors, probably uh, some of them are probably less famous than Josh Wiggler, but most of yeah. them are probably more famous than Josh Wiggler. Yeah. Um, uh, we had Shaq on very famous. Um, mm. yes, except Shaq impersonator, less famous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Larry David is, you know, I think probably at the, uh, at the top of this list yes it's gonna be hard to beat larry david yeah (laughs) all right so let's get to our rating by the way i love how our guest gave his rating right before he dropped off so he knows how our podcast works he he puts that five pretties in to uh increase the the uh average before he leaves a very good job by him but uh, av what is your rating for the episode uh, my rating for this episode is pretty, 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 pretty good. Um, that's four and a half pretties. Um, a notch below last week. I do think this is like a really excellent episode of Curb. And it, I think it's possible that if it didn't come back to back with the table read, which, as I said last week, I think is the best episode of Curb we've seen so far. Um, that just might cool this episode's off a little bit by comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like I think all all the Seinfeld stuff is great. All the like, the, I think this curb storyline of this episode is great. The way it ties together the whole season, um, it, it's lacking those just like iconic, hilarious moments. Other than the Larry playing Larry, the George scene, um, the way like last week we had the the Leon scene, the Funkhauser scene, like we didn't have those like crazy laugh out loud moments. Um, and again, that might be a little bit unfair to compare it to last week's episode back to back. But I'm still giving it four and a half. Um, I think it's still like a top twenty episode. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's really great. And I think this was a absolutely great awesome wonderful season of curb your enthusiasm and it was just really great to uh you know go from beginning to end on it and here we are at the end yeah uh so last week you know as i said when i'd watched the episode i gave it two and a half and then as we did the podcast i ended up raising all the way up to five and what was wrong with me uh this time i'm not gonna do that this time i, I do think it's a very u- unique and challenging episode to rank because it is one of the highest ranking episodes in the show's history but and i, I said this earlier with jeff on i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like when we watched it live and this is true for the whole season it was like holy shit, like we're getting another episode of Seinfeld and we haven't got that since 1998. And for that reason, it was so incredibly exciting to watch. But in 2021, 
when I watch the Seinfeld part of this episode, all I'm doing is watching a rerun of an old Seinfeld episode. And by the way, if I want to watch a Seinfeld rerun, there's 180 better ones I can go watch. Um, right. And so, you know, and I'd rather watch, you know, an entire 22 minute episode than bits and pieces that we're given here on Curb. So like as the vehicle for delivery of an extra episode of the greatest show of all time, it is a truly historic piece of television. But if we're separating out the Seinfeld stuff and rating this only as an episode of Curb, the season-long arc, and I had a little bit of this issue, I think, with um, also with the final episode of season four when we had Katie Hoffman on. It's it's like a, it's a great Curb episode, but it's like it's I don't know if it's like better than an average Curb episode, and all Curb episodes except for a couple, I mean, really all of them are like great. Like um, I did say, I think the Mocha Joe stuff actually works better now because now that we know who he is, um, I love all the meta parallels between Seinfeld and Curb. I love Jason Alexander mock- mocking himself as a self-serious actor. I love that we're introduced to respecting Wood. I love that we get a five pretties from Jason. Um, uh, Jason as George channel, ch- channeling Larry, obviously. I love the Jerry Larry Ice there. So this episode is a bit of everything, but it doesn't have the laugh out loud moment so much. So I'm going to stick it right in the meaty part of the curve. I'm going to say by the curb curve. I'm going to say it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. So two and a half pretties for me. Um, again, that's that's not a slight. That means it's an average episode of you know my second favorite show of all time. But um, yeah, yeah I'm gonna, I think I'm going to lower that average with apologies to to you and Jeff and our listeners. Yeah, well, Jeff is, you know, he's worked on many episodes of Curve, so I'm not sure he's yeah. uh, necessarily cares <laughs> which one. I don't know if my ranking of this episode is really going to have too much of an effect on his uh, self-confidence as a uh, producer of uh, amazing television. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, find out later this week that he quit Dave because <laughs> he gave him one episode of Curve two and a half produced. Yeah. By the way, he probably thinks I was blowing smoke up his ass, but you know from 32 fans, Dave was my number one show of 2020. And yeah, I said yeah. that before I, I knew that Jeff Schaefer was involved with it. And certainly I'm sure he also him. knows it from 32 fans. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he's listening to pretty, pretty good, I'm sure he's listening to, yeah, 32 fans. Exactly. He, you know, yeah. yeah. He knows the whole Chester Uber. All right. <laughs> Who is your come with guy? My come with guy is one, the only Larry David mm. um, for... Just, you know, Larry David, the character, Larry David, the creator, Larry David, the everything, pulling off this entire season of Curb and with this amazing finale, these last two episodes, um, getting giving us the uh, the ending to Seinfeld. We didn't know we needed, but that we definitely deserved, um, you know, getting the girl at the end, making it all happen, even if he ruins it at the very last moment, hoisted by his own petard. Um, just just an absolutely astonishing season of TV. And Larry David gets the uh, honorary come with guy. For me. And that is now seven times that Av has named Larry as his come with guy. And I have done it uh, but once. So a total of eight nominations for Larry, which puts, puts him in third place. The, re- the reason he's in third and not in second is because I will name someone who uh, has taken a beating sometimes from a little bit for me in the early seasons, a lot more from Jared Jerome lately. Cheryl, she chose Larry David over a starring role on what one has to presume was the biggest non-Super Bowl television event of the year. What a woman. Cheryl, you are the come with gal. And this, by the way, is the seventh time for the sixth time that I picked her. And you wow. picked her only three, but that's a total of nine. So she is uh, one spot ahead of Larry. And they both trail Jeff with uh, Richard Lewis <laughs> and Susie and Leon uh, tied for fourth. So Cheryl is my come with gal for uh, just uh, an incredibly uh, uh, great performance by her throughout the season. And of course, she uh, comes back to Larry until he uh, finds out that she doesn't respect Wood. Yes. All right, who is the fucking asshole? Uh, my fucking asshole, I think, is uh, pretty obvious this week. It is Mocha Joe. Yep. 
uh, for <laughs> as you know, treat you know, not just being willing to do a very easy favor without being compensated, asking Larry for a much bigger favor in return, going around town telling everyone that Larry David wouldn't tip him, and then you know, just doubling, tripling down, even being will- willing to uh execute a couple of innocent dogs just to like uh with this like really uncomfortable yeah. like he wants to gas them i mean that was i mean i called them the coffee nazi but a little bit uh you know awkward yes. there yeah. uh so mocha joe you're the fucking asshole to quote larry it's all his fault everything <laughs> yeah it is all his fault hmm. all right um now do we go straight to our postman yes okay let me uh let me look to see if we got any new apple store Mm. reviews so we're still okay. uh we're still at 4.6 out of 5 uh mm. 36 ratings okay. uh, yeah let's get that up there. let's get to 4.8 by the end of season eight all right come okay. on come on audience everybody give us go a on rate. apple podcast give us yeah a it takes like two minutes just do that and then more people will find it it'll have more listeners and i don't know what that means you know we don't really get anything i mean we already got larry david as a guest i don't know how really know how we improve our guests <laughs> right. but yeah it's all downhill <laughs> yeah. from here so yeah so with that um let's head over to the postman uh, postman yeah. postman uh, come yeah, here, here tell the okay. neighborhood right. first email is from joshua schmitz who says hello gentlemen here we are the final episode in a really great season overall after watching this episode i have to admit it wasn't as great as i remembered perhaps oh. had it not followed the table read it would have been better in my opinion let's say Again, this- good Let's say good. Again, this episode is filled with various Seinfeld bits and pieces from the show within a show that keeps the nostalgia train chugging along. The payoff at the end, which proves Larry just can't have nice things, seemed like sort of a lazy way to wrap up the episode and season. Come with guy. Nobody really jumps out at me. So I chose Cheryl for quitting the show and showing up at Larry's for what could be a really sweet and tender moment. Fucking asshole in a title that I'm sure will come back in a later season. Mocha Joe is my fucking asshole of the week for his petty behavior and bitching to Jerry about not getting a tip from Larry. Rating a lackluster 3.5 pretties out of five. This is Josh. This is Josh Schmitz. Okay. So, yeah, I think we're Josh and I are totally simpatico on all of that. Is this Josh's first email? Uh, No, I think he wrote last week. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, keep the postman busy, Josh. Yeah. Next is from Jim Quinley, who says the episode was fine at wrapping up the plot threads and had some funny parts, but it was a step down from the last couple. Larry playing Wood Detective was classic, though. Three and a half pretties. Hmm. For the come with guy, he gives that to Jerry. His interactions with Larry were great. He plays along and supports Larry until Larry takes it too far and tries to wreck the reunion ending. And for the asshole of the week, he gives that to Mocha Joe as well. He starts out sympathetic, but he goes crazy with the favor one one upsmanship. Driving across town for coffee is not equivalent to walking across the lot with jumper cables, especially when you were going there anyway. That last part in caps was me yelling, not Jim yelling. Um, all right. Next up is from Jared Jerome. Alex, you may want to uh, go like, take a break while I read this. This is like, se- this is like seven pages. Uh, okay. Are we editing or are we reading the whole thing? No, I'm going to read the whole thing. Okay. Um, Buckle up. This this was an absolutely brilliant piece of writing and an insanely advanced crafting of an episode of television. The way Larry David was able to fit in enough details of the Seinfeld reunion plot into previous episodes so that the five to ten minutes of footage of the actual Seinfeld reunion show is enough for us to understand the entire Seinfeld episode without ever seeing it in its completion is sheer brilliance. If that was confusing, good. It should be. Because that's what meta within meta within meta does. It fucks with your mind. It actually reminded me of the movie Adaptation, a movie about a book about a movie happening in real time while a screenwriter was writing it and on and on brilliant brilliant stuff in this curb episode you also have the curb parts of the show and there were many storylines there syncing up with the seinfeld stuff and all ending with larry and cheryl in the room watching the seinfeld show that he was supposed to produce and she was supposed to be on as they get back together only for the entire plan to be foiled by a classic larry obsession with minutia moment that ties back to the very beginning and the entire through line of the episode respecting the wood classic and brilliant i am without speech hmm. Wow. Seinfeld connections. How meta is it that I am discussing Seinfeld connections within an episode that showed an actual Seinfeld episode? 
Meta camera, but I guess he's doing the uh, ca- the con. Wow. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Meta, 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 meta. Good. Is that? Did they do that on Seinfeld or no? What, what am I thinking of? No. George looks up and says, um, "Yeah, George, it's the camera, sort of the spiraling camera above George's face as he looks up to the ceiling." And what? And he yells. What does he yell? Uh, he does not. He does not yell meta. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh no, con is what John Stewart used to do that all the time. Yeah, and also um, Bill Simmons. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So we got, uh, let's see, five Seinfeld connections. Uh, number one, on Jason's pamphlet, acting without <laughs> acting, he makes the same burning intensity face and pose that he does when George is trying to woo photo store Sheila in 8.5 the package. Let's just hope this book doesn't give some people the wrong idea. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I'll, I'll believe you. I'm not going to fact check that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is next level stuff. When Julia is accusing Larry of leaving the ring stain on the wood table, she changes the subject by saying, look it. This is a unique phrase that Elaine has said a few times over the course of her Seinfeld run, and we now know it was clearly ad-libbed by her on Seinfeld since I've never heard anyone else say this in any other situation ever. I guess I now have to do full binges of watching Ellie. Oh, he, he's Adventures never heard anybody theme. say, look it? I guess so, and Veep, to shore up the series. So he's saying this is a this is a JLD, not, okay. not an Elaine. All right. Uh, Jerry's joke, when you go to a funeral, you're more upset than the coffin, is a clear ripoff of Jerry's yep. joke. The number one fear for most people is public speaking. At least credit the originator of the joke, Jerry. <laughs> uh, number four, the famous Norman Brenner, an extra from Seinfeld who appeared in 18 episodes, sometimes with brief speaking parts, sometimes not, appears by Mocha Joe stand buying coffee right before Larry at 2444 of this episode. Incredible the depths of the specificity they went through to make nods to all these old Seinfeld traditions. Uh, number five, when Larry bla- breaks into Cheryl's room and Jason runs out the window, Larry says laughing and lying the exact same way that George yeah. says laughing and lying when he breaks into the channel to call out Susan and Jerry for ditching him to go to the movies. It's uncanny for his come with guy. He says, you know what? I'm going to do it. Very few people are particularly likable this episode. So I'm going to do it. I can't. OK, yes, I'll do it. I'm giving my come with guy gal to Cheryl. She's working hard on her job, wants Larry's help, then Jason's to get the part down right, falls in love with George, is really Larry, more brilliance in the writing, makes fun of Jason's pamphlet, hears Larry on his phone quitting the show just because he can't be with her, selflessly gives the role to the lovely Elizabeth Shue, win for everybody, even comes to watch the show with Larry and to get back together with her one true love, only to have the most classic Larry moment ever, spoil her advances and remind her why she left him in the first place. And she handles it all with a plum. I'm sorry, I've been so hard on you, Cher. Larry really is a tough guy to deal with. But not as tough as this week's asshole of the week, I don't see how it can be any anyone other than Mocha Joe. Mm-hmm. What a nightmare this guy is. First, he expects a tip for doing a simple favor. Then he freaking tells the whole world about being snubbed for this supposed tip that had no business getting. Then, instead of just letting it go or even accepting a payoff from Larry for nothing, <laughs> he guilts Larry into doing a drive to the airport level thing favor to make up for it, which causes Larry to lose Cheryl to George and Jason. The damn store was closed anyway. So frustrating. Then he somehow blames Larry further for this when he gets bitten by Jerry, Jerry Jason's dogs, he blackmails Larry into paying what appeared to be $240 just to not press charges. So I guess he's saying that I, he saw what you saw, that the last two bills were uh, well, so I, it was a 20, a 20, and then a hundred. And then I thought after that, he shoves a bunch of cash in, not just another hundred, but not, unless he's just collecting all the money from the previous donations as well. Got it. Okay. Um, exactly yeah. Sure. So he says, and he still doesn't forgive Larry. This is one true asshole and mm. someone who I can only wish has a spike store open next to him to put him out of business. One. Day. Yeah. It's only a stay of execution. He's not permanently, uh, a, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's the, it's the stages as uh, some have said in the uh, Palestinian conflict, right? They're not, uh, not willing to resolve all differences permanently. <laughs> right. Um, the analogy people him. always give when talking about Mocha Joe. Yeah. Ranking, he says, as I said at the outset, just a brilliant piece of writing that epitomizes Larry's genius. I have one hold up though. I just didn't find the show that funny. 
There were not a lot of laugh out loud moments for me. One was when Jerry does the surprise double stare back when using Larry's lie detecting method. But in general, I didn't find the episode to be that funny. Now you'd think this was a big deal being that I'm ranking a comedy, but everything else was so damn good that I'm only docking the ranking of the episode one spot as I have it ranked second of the 70 episodes so far behind only vehicular fellatio. That's how clever it was. It's not even if you tell this episode was good, but it's not as good as vehicular inflation. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, that's how clever it was. It's not even freaking funny and still is my second ranked episode to this point, making it pretty, 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 pretty good. That's five pretties and zero no pretties as season seven ends with a bang. Yeah. Should we rank every episode of Curb, not based on the episode of Curb, but by the thing that is in the title? Like, which is better, vehicular fellatio or Se- uh, Seinfeld? Um, I mean, you know, vehicular fellatio is good as like in the moment. Seinfeld is better long term, I think. Well, I mean, if I could, only, if I could only have one for the rest of my life, I would choose Seinfeld because, uh, yeah, without Seinfeld, there's there's no replacement. Whereas vehicular fellatio has other replacements. Right, you could have it in all sorts of different uh, yeah. other fellatios. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, vehicular fellatio is great, but it's fleeting. Seinfeld stays with you forever. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely in the top. Like, you know, if if we're doing this ranking, I think uh, Seinfeld is going to be uh, could be number one. But yeah, vehicular yeah. fellatio will be uh, pretty. Oh, high. what about The Wire? That's interesting. Seinfeld to The Wire. That's a tough call. So, are we referring to the show The Wire, or are we referring to just a wire? Like, no, the show The Wire. That I guess it the says wire. The Wire. So yeah, that's yeah. true. Mm. Yeah. All right. So that's the close. Wa- I mean, The Wire not as great an episode occur, but if we're ranking it this way, yeah, it, it really uh, improves. Yeah. yeah. Um, but beloved aunt, I'm, I don't really have any beloved aunts. I, I mean, that's not true. I love all my aunts, but uh... <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said that. That's a terrible thing to say. I know, I know why you said it because you hate your aunts. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. You hate their guts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Next email is from William Blake, who says, Hey, Alex and Av, my name is Will, and I was busy with beans. Busy mm. with beans and do you respect Wood are two of my favorite quotes from the entire series. Mm. You two alluded to this last episode, but I was surprised with the amount of setup of the Larry Mocha Joe feud in this episode. Yeah. For the come with guy, he gives it to it really Jerry. Is, I mean, sorry to interrupt uh, his, his email, yeah. but it really is kind of crazy how, like, he has a major role in, like, the wrap-up episode of the season and then disappears for a decade. And then like, hey, let's make a whole season about this guy again. It is very surprising that they do this. I don't think at the time we thought of Mocha Joe as an iconic character the way, you know, that we've had, you know, like Crazy Eyes or some of these other characters. So it is sort of surprising how, I mean, he does, again, I think that's in that sense, this episode does, is is more enjoyable in a postseason 10 atmosphere because uh, environment, because we know who uh, Mocha yeah, Joe is. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely adds to have the Mocha Joe dynamic, like kind of see yeah. the origin story for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he says the come with guy is Jerry Seinfeld for putting out Larry's fires, throwing out great one-liners, being a good friend. One of the quintessential come with guy performances. Mm. Um, yeah, Jerry really just has been like a dominant come with guy in the five episodes that he's in. Even if we didn't necessarily award him each episode, he really has a great presence in all, in every yeah. single and one. he's very much willing to say like, hey, this is Larry's baby and I'm going to defer to him. You know, he sort of yeah. referred to me on Seinfeld. I got my name in it. I was the star actor as well. And so he really, yeah, I think uh, Larry, Jerry, uh, Jerry does a good job as the wingman here. Yeah. Uh, the fucking asshole is Susie. Her blatant res- disrespect for Wood is preposterous. Mm, yeah. And he gives the episode well, Susie, five. Susie's disrespect is worse than Cheryl's. Well, she has them all over the place. Cheryl says it's it, I have a bad habit. Cheryl. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, at least, Cheryl, at, at least Cheryl's willing to admit it. Yeah, my wife uh, is a much uh, has much less respect for wood than I do. Oh I've yeah, noticed in the past. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he gives it five pretties out of five. Another all timer. Uh, second to last email is from Zach Brooks, who says this was great stuff. It's 2021 and 2009 in the show. How have we not solved cup rings on wood? Coasters are fine, but there should be another way. Hmm. You could you could get like a like you know, glass covers. <laughs> 
Um, Jerry S. himself was especially hilarious this episode. The Seinfeld episode is what I would want for a reunion and love the episode within the episode. Four and a half pretties for the episode. All around great, but it can't get a full five if we don't get Leon. Uh, yeah. Zach doing a little uh, little blackmail with the uh, curb showrunner is that you know, he's not going to give five pretties unless they put Leon in the episode. Yeah, well, I think he'll get his wish. Um, yeah, not, not just yet in season forward. eight, but season nine and ten, everything. And yeah, he's in like, I think, half the episodes of season eight. Yeah. Um, okay. Last email is from Olin Allen. He says a fantastic, fun introduction to Mocha Joe. Some great lines about Jason's pamphlet. Seeing Larry as George was magnificent and good to see that the second Larry had won his case of Adam Sherrill. He was back to his deluded principles. Having said that, the episode just petered out terribly. Maybe the worst of all the finales. Seinfeld segments were watered down and the table read was the true highlight of the reunion. Apart from Mocha Joe episode, apart from, apart from Mocha Joe, the episode seemed almost too centered on Seinfeld than centering around the Curb universe. No Leon, no Richard Lewis, no Funkhauser, or even Ted Danson. And Jeff seemed subdued and was nothing done. With Michael Richards at all either. Yeah, that's true. Michael is pretty uh, pretty quiet in this episode. Um, I had a lot of laughs early on, but just felt empty at the end. And Olin gives it a two and a half pretty out of five. 62nd ranked episode for him. Maybe up a haul pretty if it was 10 minutes shorter. Um, for the come with gal, he says, struggle badly on this front. Almost gave it to Norman Brenner for the lack of options, but I may balance out Jared and go with Cheryl. Ah, that's what you would have thought. But, but now you both gave it to Cheryl. So now Cheryl is... Uh, you know, scoring double points. Mm, yeah. She realizes what Larry did for her and cares more for him than the role. Happy to let her off. And Larry immediately looks to snitch on her to Julia. Um, and for the fucking asshole of the week, he says, easy peasy, retaining his crown from last week is Jason Alexander. Cashing in with a silly pamphlet, ruining Larry's better outline, was acting with plenty of acting in contrast to Jerry. After being mean to Cheryl and rude, he goes over the top in another direction, being over, overly playful in front of his boss with his ex-wife. Um, yeah, that's true. I didn't even really think about that dynamic. Like, yeah, that's like, that's a real dick move to like behave that way um on the set when like you know like the ex-husband is like there yeah Um, but uh, but him and him and in the show him and in the curb world obviously jason and and jerry and larry are not bro yeah yeah yeah. oh for sure yeah no i'm just saying that it is particularly detestable behavior yeah um and worst of all letting those two poor dogs locked in a car in the middle of the la that's kind of crazy yeah even if the tinted windows reduced the heat no matter no wonder they were so amped up and attacked the first guy they laid eyes on (laughs) laid eyes on when they were joe yeah um so with that um we have an average audience score of 4.00 uh making it the seventh ranked episode by the audience with jeff's five and my 4.5 and alex's 2.5 that gives it an overall grade also of 4.00 exactly Mm. which makes it the 15th ranked episode out of 71 so far um so yeah that's a, that's a really nice score um i would have thought a little bit higher but obviously you know between alex and a couple of listeners that uh dragged the score down a little bit but Sorry. still <laughs> very nice position i mean 15 is a very you know it's yeah. a very high score nothing to see high, high right. yeah yeah and again like as a reminder this show is always amazing so i think that even i would say the worst episodes of curb that we've seen thus far are better than the worst episodes of seinfeld Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, the worst episodes of like the the early Seinfeld episodes, like the dog are, or whatever. Are, yeah, yeah, those are much worse than even the worst episodes of her. Yeah. Sure. Although I, I think just because of almost nostalgia or just the warm feeling I get because I, I'm so familiar with the Seinfeld episodes, I might rather watch a terrible like a lowest ranked episode of Seinfeld over a lowest ranked episode of Curb. Does that make sense? Um, like a replacement level of Seinfeld, you're saying is better than a replacement level. Curb. No, I'm saying I think that the 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 the, the lowest ranked episodes of Seinfeld are less good than the lowest ranked episodes of Curb, but I would still rather watch a lowest ranked episode of Seinfeld. 
just because I have more um, of a familiarity with it. There's no episode yeah. of Seinfeld I haven't seen 25 times, whereas yeah, there's I episodes mean, of The Curb I've seen like twice or once even. Yes. I mean, yeah. Seinfeld is much more comfort food. Yes, than, exactly. That's it's like I mean. it's like you put it on the background, like you've seen it all 100 times. Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, like that. I, I will back when I had an, an iPod before, like the iPhone and stuff. I, w- I got the audio of ep- of episodes of Seinfeld and I would just listen to them because, yeah, I didn't even need to see it. I knew what was happening already. Yeah, um, we once, um, it was me, I think A.B., Harold, maybe Eitan, I don't remember. We were we were driving somewhere and like, I don't know why, like, I guess we just got like bored of listening to music or whatever. We wanted to do something else. And somehow it happened that like A.B. just decided to read an episode of Seinfeld, like just like the, the transcript, mm. like from beginning to end. And it was... Uh, it was what episode was it? It was the one with uh, the inter- Darren, the intern. Yeah. Um, what's that? And with called? his and with remember. his luck, we'll get that uh, that chicken. The voice is not the voice. The voice, yes, yes, yeah. yes, the voice. Yeah. And he, we just like we just sat in the car and AB just like read the whole script beginning to end, and we were just like dying. It was yeah, great. that's almost even even more fun in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, for so for our uh, our season ratings, um, our my cumulative score or my my average score for this season was three point nine five, making number one. it my my number one ranked season. Um, I have uh, season two and season four at three point six zero, so a little bit behind. Uh, your overall score average for this season is three point three, which third. makes it your third ranked season. Um, also after season two and season four, where you had tied for three point four, so this is just a tad right behind those in the number three spot. The audience's average was three point six three, which just like me makes number it one. the number one episode, well, number one season of Curb, uh, just ahead of season five at three point five seven, and the overall average when you combine all of those together um, is three point seven two, which again makes it the number one season of Curb on yeah. a collective basis by all of us. Yeah, although I will say part of that has to do with we. I mean, it might still be number one anyways, but because we've had a lot more guests this season, and guests tend to give five stars, so a guest episode is always going to benefit. That's de- that's definitely true. That's definitely yeah. true. So uh, we could we could be put we might be putting our uh, thumbs on the scale a little bit to yeah. uh, juke up the ratings for the guests. Yeah. All right. So um, you know, as Jeff mentioned, and as uh, as all of us know here, uh, there was a gap between season seven and eight of a couple of years. Uh, they don't come back until 2011, and so we are going to take a gap as well. We're not going to have a gap of our of this podcast. So we're pumping out an episode every week, but we're going to not uh, jump directly into the next episode, Season 8, Episode 1. Next week, um, as we said, we're going to be watching the, the Seinfeld part of the Seinfeld episode of Curb, and we will have a special guest or two, I think, to discuss that. Um, some uh, Seinfeld experts will be joining us. And then I think after that, we'll have another special episode before we uh, jump into season eight. Unless we unless we save the other special episode for after season eight, we'll figure that out. But um, yeah, I think yeah. I think we'll probably just do them back to back because uh, we uh, we've been sitting on that one for a little bit already. So we, yeah, that's probably, we have it. Yeah, we have it in the we can. We don't want it to, to be. too. So, yeah. So. So, yeah. So as Alex just explained, so, yeah, the next two episodes of definitely the next one, probably the next two of uh, a pretty, pretty, pretty good that you'll see in your feed will not be season eight, episode one, but rather uh, bonus episodes. Having said that, we will still be recording season eight, episode one, the divorce next week in our usual uh, Tuesday night time slot. So if you want to send an email or a rating, you should do so before then, even if we're not going to get to posting the podcast episode for a few weeks thereafter that. Yes, and that is because, yes, we have a very special guest for Season 8, Episode 1 as well. And, yeah, we already have him on the schedule, so or her, uh, or they. So, um, yeah, so we will – so if you want to send us uh, your questions, comments, ratings for uh, the uh, the divorce, or is it's called The Divorce Attorney? What's it called? I forget. The, the Divorce. The Divorce. Uh, send those. And then also, in the show notes to this podcast, I will include a link 
to a YouTube compilation of all of the Seinfeld bits of, uh, it's like a 10 minute video basically showing just the Seinfeld episode portion, uh, which is what we'll be discussing next week. So if you want to watch that and send I'll it- actually, I'll actually be linking to an, a much better version of that that I did where oh. I rejiggered some of the scenes and put them in order in a, in a way that I thought was oh. better. So, maybe you should upload uh, that to YouTube then also. Uh, I might, yeah, maybe I'll yeah. do that. I have it right now in my like Google Drive, but I guess I can yeah. put it on YouTube. Yeah, put it on YouTube. Drop the link. Um, you know, we'll also share it in the uh, thirty-two in the uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good group chat that we have, and we will, yeah, put it on YouTube. Which, 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 which any listener, by the way, is welcome to join. So if you were, uh, if you're interested in uh, joining that WhatsApp chat, also we have a very uh, rigorous we, policy of uh, admissions. Yeah, uh, very rigorous policy that anyone's let in unless yeah. like you come in and like start, you know attacking people don't, or something yeah, don't threaten to gas people and uh yeah don't be uh don't yeah, be so if that so if you're interested in that uh, <laughs> yeah just uh you could you could send an email to the uh you know curb postman at gmail you could uh find me or alex on twitter and just uh send us a dm and we'll uh we'll happily give you the link to join that whatsapp group uh yeah we talk about curb in there a little bit we talk about the week's episode as it drops so it's a little pretty 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 pretty, pretty good